start recording, uh, who's editing this podcast? I'll do the fingerings. Today we're talking about Alien Covenant, starring Michael Fassbender, Catherine Watterson, Billy Crudup, Danny McBride, Damian Bashir, uh, Carmen Ejigo, Jussie Smollett, Callie Henderson, and directed by Ridley Scott once again for the third time in this series. I'm Ryan. I'm Brendan. I'm Matthew. And I'm Logan. And uh, guys, this is the uh, this is the last one. It's our last Alien podcast for the foreseeable future um, until oh. Disney gets off their ass with whatever they're gonna do with the Alien series. Um, they won't. But real quick, people, you know, before we get into Alien Covenant, um, in case this is the first episode of the Alien series that someone has come upon, uh, just real quick, quick backgrounds with the uh, the Alien series, guys. Uh, yeah, it's my, I had seen bits and pieces of the original Alien, but other than that, like, I had seen Alien vs. Predator, um, you know, other than that, I, I really hadn't had that much exposure other than playing mm. as the Alien in Mortal Kombat 10. Um, I did play, uh, a little bit of Alien Isolation at this point, um, which we talked about on our podcast, I Might Play That, uh, our video game post, uh, podcast, uh, if you want to go listen to that. But other than that, that's kind of the extent of my experience with the alien movies. Oh, and one time in party city, I did see a giant xenomorph mask. And now I really wish I had bought it, it until cool. now when you've watched all, watched all the movies. I, I have this. watched, I have watched all the movies leading up to this. We hope I have, so, I have, hope so. <laughs> I, I hope that I wouldn't be having this in depth of discussions without watching them. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as I've stated many times, a uh, big fan of the franchise. I have seen all these movies before. Alien is my favorite movie of all time. I am, in fact, wearing an Alien t-shirt right now. Yes. I ordered this t-shirt, like, a week before we did the first Alien movie podcast. But mm-hmm. it, like, didn't come in until very, very recently. So I'm a little sad that I have to wear it for this movie, uh, as we'll get into. But uh, I, we're in it, and we're uh, we're talking about it. Yeah, I also, uh, like Brendan, I have never seen any of the movies, uh, and I, I had, you know, very little experience at all. <laughs> no, I, I have now, I promise you. Um, yeah, I, I've really enjoyed some of these movies. I really disliked some of these movies. But, you know, as a whole, I've really enjoyed talking about this franchise, and I'm looking forward to another great discussion today, which I'm sure it will be. Yeah, I had, I've actually... Of all these movies, I've seen this one the most, I think. This or Prometheus, because I saw... Um, my background with the series was that I saw Prometheus and Covenant, along with the original Alien, and hadn't seen the other three. And since doing this series, um, you can go back and listen to those episodes um, for our full thoughts. By the end of this, we'll give you our rankings, as we always do at the end of a series. But um, definitely have some unpopular opinions on this series, I think. Um, specifically that I really like Prometheus basically as much as the original alien and that both of those are are pretty great movies for me even though i do prefer aliens above all of them um but you know it is what it is and uh we'll see if i have any controversial opinions on alien covenant um but guys before we get into covenant the movie proper um let's talk about what happened between prometheus and covenant so damon lindelof was one of the writers on the original prometheus film uh, along with ridley scott and he left the project um, going into uh, Alien Covenant, and this film 
initially was going to just have no xenomorphs in it basically just be a prometheus sequel and say you know what yeah these are in the same universe but we're not really going to deal with the xenomorph in this film but then eventually um ridley scott was forced to put alien in this movie so then they completely rewrote the film and had um the title be alien paradise lost which you know his original uh his original title for this movie was going to be paradise and then they were like all right alien paradise lost which is obviously a very famous, uh, you know, story, right? Paradise Lost. That's a is that a novel? Yes. Uh, it's novel. not a. I thought it was a novel. It's an epic, I believe. Is it an uh, epic? Okay. It's an epic poem, I believe. Actually, epic yes. poem. Here. Okay. Yeah. So it's very good. It was going to be Alien Paradise Lost, and then they rewrote it again with um, tying in the Alien series and the philosophy of Prometheus, and really blending the two into one movie. And um, we got the movie Alien Covenant, which, you know, the, the title is just as um, just as bold and in-your-face as any other movie about philosophy, I guess. Um, you're like, ah, this movie is about creation, so let's call it Covenant. But, um, yeah, what, did, what were you guys' thoughts going into Alien Covenant after Prometheus? Um, yeah, you know, I, I was excited to get some answers. Uh, I, you know, you had told us last time uh i forget who it was but that we would be getting some answers regardless of the way that it kind of left uh, a weird taste in your mouth and was kind of like unfinished afterwards um but i i was really excited to you know get some answers from the first one and start making those connections back to the original alien film because when i think prequel that's that's the first thing on my mind is like how is this gonna tie back and and like embellish the original story you know yeah, so I think I saw this movie, uh, I guess around the same time as Prometheus, you know, right after this movie came out. And um, I, I guess, you know, as I said, not I, as we start talked about on Prometheus episode, I'm not a big fan of that movie, so I was hoping for something better. And after thinking about Prometheus some more, it's it's not necessarily that I, I, I needed more answers in Covenant and that I needed more connections. I actually think that Scott takes, like, approach-wise, concept-wise a good approach to these prequel movies, whereas he's not going about it in just a purely fan service way where it's like, let me show you Ripley when she's young and all these characters and yada yada. Like, I do like how he's trying to expand it a bit. Um, so I guess I wasn't looking for necessarily more answers, but for something more interesting and something that I thought was more compelling because I thought there were compelling ideas in Prometheus, but I just didn't feel like he delivered. I totally agree. I liked uh, some of the compelling ideas in Prometheus, but, uh, I don't know. I, I didn't appreciate like all of the execution there. Um, and I just think, I think this movie did uh, a better job tying back into uh, the original films. Like I said, like that's kind of a prequels job. Um, it's to, to kind of enhance the original in some way, which I feel like Prometheus didn't really do for me. Uh, and we'll talk about why later, but yeah, so I was just going into this. I was just hoping to uh, get answers. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm the fan of Prometheus on this on this pod. So, you know, I, I saw this movie, I think after Prometheus. I think I did. I saw it back in theaters, I know, when it first came out. And I think I've seen it since. I think I saw it since. Um, but, you know, going into this rewatch, I, I don't... I remembered, you know, thinking that I wouldn't like it as much um, as Prometheus. But, I you know, going into the conversation, we'll see what I thought. But it definitely was a different experience than I had remembered it. 
um, after seeing it this time. So I'm excited to get into this movie and talk about it. So let's go ahead and go into the plot summary, boys. The plot summary. Business magnate Peter Whalen speaks with his newly activated android who chooses the name David after observing Michelangelo's statue. Whalen states that one day they will search for mankind's creator together. David comments on his own unlimited lifespan as compared to Whalen's, which unsettles Whalen. In 2104, 11 years after the Prometheus expedition, the colonization ship Covenant is seven years uh, from reaching the planet Aurigai 6, which consists uh, with 2,000 colonists in stasis and 1,140 human embryos in cold storage. The ship is monitored by Walter, an advanced android model that physically resembles David, played by Michael Fassbender again. When a shockwave damages the ship, Walter reanimates his 14 human crewmates, themselves couples and colonists. The the ship's captain, Jake Branson, for some reason played by James Franco, is burned alive when his stasis pod malfunctions. While repairing the ship, the crew picks up a transmission of a human voice from a nearby planet, which appears eminently eminently more habitable than Aurigai 6. Despite the protests of Daniels, Branson's widow, that this new perfect planet is too good to be true, newly promoted Captain Chris Oram decides that they will check the new planet. With Pilot Tennessee ma- uh, maintaining Covenant in orbit, his wife Maggie flies a smaller lander to the Earth- Earth-like planet's surface, where an expedition team tracks a transmission signal to a crashed alien ship. Crewmates Ledward and Hallett are infected by spores from fungus-like organisms. Oram's wife, Corrine, Ka- uh, helps the increasingly ill Ledward back to the lander, where Maggie quarantines them inside the medbay. A small, pale alien creature a neomorph bursts from Ledwood's back killing him and then mauls Catherine to death or kareen to death maggie returns and attempts to kill the creature with a shotgun but triggers an explosion which kills her and and destroys the lander nearby in the fields another neomorph bursts from hallett's mouth killing him the neomorphs attack the remaining crew killing a crew member Encor. the crew manages to kill one before david who survived the prometheus mission appears and scares off the neomorph he leads the crew to a temple in a city full of dead humanoids david tells them a tells them that upon his and his fellow Prometheus survivor Elizabeth Shaw's arrival at the planet, their ship accidentally released a virus which annihilated all fauna on the planet and that uh, Shaw perished when the ship crashed. Meanwhile, attempts to radio the Covenant are stymied by ion storms. When the remaining Neomorph infiltrates the temple and kills crew member Rosenthal, David tries to communicate with the creature and is horrified when Orm kills it. Orm questions David who reveals that the aliens are a result of, of his releasing and experimenting with the pathogen to produce new life forms. He manipulates Orm into being attacked by a facehugger alien. A new form of alien, the xenomorph, later erupts from Orm's chest, killing him. As the others search for Orm and Rosenthal, Walter finds Shaw's uh, dissected corpse used uh, by David as material for his evolving, uh, evolving creature designs. David states that humanity is a dying and unworthy species in his design and his design creature is a more perfect organism set to eradicate them. When Walter disagrees, David disables him and then threatens Daniels. Walter's advanced system self-repairs, and he attacks David while Daniels escapes. Crew member Cole, uh, crewmate Cole quickly cuts another face hugger off of security chief Dan Lope, leaving Lope with acid burns on his face. The now fully grown xenomorph kills Cole while Lope escapes and meets up with Daniels. Tennessee arrives in another lander to extract Daniels, Lope, and Walter, who says David has expired. They killed the attacking xenomorph and returned to the Covenant. The next morning, Daniels and Tennessee discover that another xenomorph has burst from Lope's chest, excuse me, killing him and is loose on the Covenant, and matures and kills crew members Upworth and her husband Rix. 
Final crew members Tennessee and Daniels lure the creature into Covenant's terraforming bay and kill it. Covenant resumes its own its, its original voyage to Oregai 6 as Walter helps Daniels into stasis. She realizes that Walter is in fact David, but is unable to escape her pod before falling asleep. David regurgitates two facehugger embryos and places them in cold storage with the human embryos. He poses as Walter to record a log stating that all crew members except Daniels and Tennessee were killed by the solar flare incident at the beginning of the film and that the ship is still on course to Aurigai 6. And for some reason with that ending, we still haven't gotten another sequel yet, probably because this movie didn't make a ton of money and Disney sucks. So that is Alien Covenant, directed by Ridley Scott, the last movie as of now in the Alien series. So uh, guys, give me your initial thoughts on this movie. Yeah, um, gosh, what to say about this movie? Uh, what to say? <laughs> you know, I just, they're, they did solve a lot of, well, they didn't solve a lot of problems, but they answered a lot of questions. Uh, they did, uh, you know, bring out a lot of things that I, I wanted to see from a prequel to the Alien movies. Uh, at the same time, rehashing a lot of the same things and just doing it in a really frustrating way and and we'll get into it and my exact problems but just like you know at some point after seeing seven alien movies i'm like i get how the xenomorph works you're not adding anything new to it on the other hand I did want to see like where the xenomorph came from and everything like that. So I thought it was interesting, but a lot of the stuff that they were like rehashing and just like the general stupidity, general stupidity mm-hmm. of a Definitely. lot of people in this movie uh, was a big problem for me. And just the way that people acted. Um, yeah. So that's, that's what I will preface this with. I do not like this movie. Uh, I think this movie is really bad. I, I think, I think it's terrible. Um, I think that it most of it just feels. I know Floyd, you you would use the word reactionary in the Prometheus podcast to describe Covenant, and I would sure. say that's true. And I guess reactionary, in terms of a sequel, can be good sometimes. But this, all all the all the the, the throwbacks and the copy paste of the jo- Jerry Goldsmith score from Alien, everything feels like a desperate attempt to bring people back to the franchise by just using elements that have been there before but just in a so much terrible of a way and i talked about in the prometheus and how you know i, I don't need these prequels so embellishing more on this evolution of the xenomorph for me is not interesting it's not necessary i think that it takes completely away from the mystery uh what also takes away from the mystery is the terribly shot ter- just terribly looking action scenes in this movie which it's so sad to see scott just regress into these quick cut you can't see anything bad cgi i don't know what happened in between prometheus and covenant but somehow some of this movie's cgi looks worse than prometheus which is just so it's so weird to see scott who has always had this master touch for visuals crank out this movie which is just for the most part i think there there are completely exceptions for the most part is not pretty to look at and i i, I think uh completely takes away the mystery of the xenomorph and it is not scary because after you see the 20th bloody gory over the top death it has no effect uh anymore so uh, those are my thoughts we'll get into more of it later wow this is very interesting uh i i like this movie i'll i'll say that now i think this is a good movie uh i like it better than prometheus because uh i think it it takes the ideas that we had and uh it just builds on them you know and 
Actually, through most of this movie, I was thinking to myself, Prometheus is irrelevant. I didn't need that. Uh, and I think this is... I think this is a good movie where, um, you know, we, we get back to the, the xenomorph, uh, Prometheus just muddied the waters in really unnecessary ways. Uh, and you know, I was kind of willing to hear it out and see how they got from where they were in Prometheus to Covenant to eventually, uh, the original alien. Um, and honestly, Prometheus didn't really matter to me, um, but I, yeah, I, I, I like Covenant. I can understand some of the issues with it and sympathize with them in some places. But uh, in general, I, I don't, I, I didn't see that many problems with it, and uh, I had a pretty good time watching it. I don't get you guys. These movies are awesome. These prequel movies are awesome. I don't. I, I'm, I'm so excited to defend this movie. Yeah, no, I mean, because... even though, even though I'm mostly going to be saying good things about this, I wanted to just shit on Prometheus a little more. Yeah, <laughs> you, you, you all are both dead wrong, and Prometheus and Covenant are two great movies, and I'm very excited to talk about this movie because I, you know, last time I said that I think I enjoy Prometheus maybe a little more than Alien. I think I like this movie more than Prometheus. I, I think that this, Ugh. this is a fantastic movie. Really? Oh, okay, so. So I I like I think I'll put it this way when we rank them I think that Alien will be second above these two movies because I think it is a tighter cleaner movie it is just it exactly a hard boiled exactly what it's trying to be but I think I enjoy watching these two more than the original Alien and I think I will go back to these two movies more than the original Alien for reasons that we've talked about in Prometheus and we will talk about going forward so. I want to start with um, an actual, the, the start of the movie, which I think is absolutely fantastic and one of the best scenes in the movie. I absolutely love it. So we open with a quote of Blade Runner, you know, with the eye shot. So quoting Blade Runner with the uh, the same exact shot, which is obviously intentional since Ridley Scott made both movies and they're both eyes of androids um, mm-hmm. at that point. Classic. Um, and, and especially with like the, the, uh, the lights in the eye and all that stuff. Same yeah, universe? Question mark? possibly according to ridley scott it is i I, see after watching all these movies and i mean obviously we've done blade runner go back and listen to those reviews i don't really think of them as being in the same universe i don't know about you guys i do not i i think it's plausible but i i don't like to think of it as that i don't i don't know how we could have replicants and androids in the same you know synthetic universe that Mm -hmm. doesn't really make too much sense to me Unless, like, um, I think maybe it's a cultural you think about thing. it in, like, an Elysium way where you have, like, these super high class, um, you know, above doing all this space stuff and they never interact with the lower class. So, like, that's why they're completely, like, seemingly separate societies, I guess. Yeah, that, that, that was the only way it would make sense. I feel like they're of the same ilk. They mm-hmm. deal with a lot of the same ideas, like, especially these movies in Blade Runner. Um, but I, I don't see them as the same series. But I, I love the very beginning of this movie. It's... It's basically, it's Peter Whelan, Guy, P- Guy Pierce. We finally have an excuse for Guy Pierce being cast as Peter Whelan um, so that well, we can have this scene. Kind of. Kind I mean, of. Kind it, of. But, it um, still would have made sense to just have the younger guy be a different actor than the older guy. Like, sure. Yes. Sure. I'm not going to fight you too hard on that, but again, I still don't think it's that big of a deal. Like most of your complaints with, with Prometheus mm-hmm. and Alien Covenant, I'm sure. It's just like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. You just need to move on and enjoy the good stuff um the stuff that actually matters um but i love the visuals i love the way that um this room is all white you got that awesome panorama um window along with you know the the stark contrast of the black piano and then you have the statue of david all the paintings on the wall the harp i just i love 
the mise-en-scene, I'm going to throw out that film school term for you, um, which basically just means the stuff within the scene is actually what it means. It's just French for basically stuff in the scene. Um, but I, I love all the production design in this in this scene, and I love the actual conversation between the newly birthed, if you want to call it, David and his father, Peter Whelan. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think the visuals here, I agree with you in the visual sense. I think the visuals here are beautiful. Um, you know, I said there are exceptions to the, the, the complaints I had in my intro. Uh, I think this is one of them. Very crisp, very, very clean. Like you can see every single wrinkle in the clothing and, and in both of their faces. I think for me, this is where we get introduced to the dialogue, which is clunky throughout the entire movie, I think. And I think here it's just extremely on the nose. And what I liked, you know, what I said about Prometheus was I liked some of the concepts. And although I may have had some complaints with it being like they not not giving too many answers, I did appreciate how they went about it in 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 a vague way and not a it, it didn't throughout the entire movie feel like they were beating it over my head. I thought they were good moments, and and I think just throughout this entire movie, it's just smacking you on top of the head with. I think this movie is trying to be deep, but it's just not at all. And here we just get introduced already. Okay who created you who who created me and i just thought the die and i get it you know the fast bender is a is a is a android but then the the, the dialogue from pierce and back it just ugh, it just not not a fan i just think the dialogue this is not the worst instance of dialogue the the bad stuff is what the other characters and uh, the the crew members true i think um i was blown away by uh fast bender's performance i think he's He's a great villain, and just the fact that he was able to play two characters uh, with different accents so well is... Should have uh, been nominated for Best Actor and Best Supporting Actor, just saying. Yeah, I know. I, I, I was actually out. thinking about that. And I looked up the other Best Actor nominees for, for from that year, and, I don't know, Andrew Garfield for Hacksaw Ridge, uh, Ryan Gosling for La La Land, Denzel Washington yeah, for Fences. Yeah, absolutely. K- like, Casey Affleck. Like, Michael Casey Fassbender, Affleck deserved his Oscar. Yes. I'm not going to fight that. No, that's but, the wrong year, actually, my my friend. I'm sorry. Oh, really? It's actually the next year. Yeah, that was the two thousand. That was the Oscars for two thousand seven. Ah, okay, uh, wait. So, so who who was in the next year? Because I mean, uh, I feel let like me pull it up right I, now. I feel like Fassbender could have been in that group that I just read. Okay, that was it. Was the Gary Oldman year? So let me pull up who the other nominees were that year. But it was it was the ninetieth Academy Awards, and it was Gary Oldman won for Darkest Hours, um, and then Denzel Washington was nominated for Roman J Israel Esquire, which I haven't seen. Daniel Kaluuya was nominated for Get Out, which he absolutely deserved. Mm-hmm. Daniel Day Lewis was nominated for Phantom Thread, which eh, not yes, a fan of that yes, movie. Yes, yes. Uh, and then Timothy Chalamet was nominated for Call Me by Your Name. Yes, <laughs> I would say that's a slightly more competitive year. Yes, it is. Yeah. I, I well, definitely I I still haven't seen Roman J Israel Esquire, but it, it's not a good movie. But Denzel's good in it. Um, I'm gonna make a claim here that yeah. I, regardless, I, I really like yes. Fassbender's performance, and I love that this opening sure, scene yeah. just deepens his character so much more. Uh, we, you know, we didn't really get a lot of him in, in Prometheus, and I felt like, mm-hmm. um, and you know, th- this isn't necessarily a flaw that I'm saying I had with Prometheus, but it's just, you know, just because of the movie. Uh, the contents of the movie we just didn't get that much uh deepening of the character of david and i sort of felt like uh he had something going on in him that was more than just like r- robot programming like i felt like he had a personality i felt like he had ulterior motives but those didn't really get explored until now and it's such a it's such an imaginative um deepening and they also explain uh you know how david can be more complex than the androids that we see later which you know, that's always an issue with uh, prequels, like 
why are they so much better at fighting with lightsabers in the Star Wars prequels than they were in yep. the original trilogy? And like, uh, you know, they, they, they give answers for that issue uh, in the Alien series, which is that they, I don't know, I, I think they, they added more like restrictions on the program of the androids. Put inhibitors, whatever you want to call it. Right, yeah. which mm-hmm. is why uh, Walter? Walter, yes. yes. Which is why Walter can't do some things that David can um oh i love walter i'm so excited to talk about walter yeah but anyway matt you were gonna say something i was gonna say that that i don't i you guys may all disagree with this but i think fassbender is much better in prometheus um i i think his praise for for the dual performance here is really overhyped i'm not i think he's great as as david but i think as walter it's it's really i don't think it's anything special i I think so often when when there's a an actor playing two roles in one movie especially when those two roles interact it is like immediately like oh my gosh this is an amazing performance but i often think the hype is just taking out your dislike of enemy on this movie what's that (laughs) are you just taking out your dislike of enemy on this movie Okay, no, no. Okay, Jake Gyllenhaal was actually good in Enemy. I, I okay, do, I do okay. enjoy his performance there. Um, but I just think it's slightly overhyped. I think he's great at David, but I think Walter is a pretty. Um, uh, his composure is always the same. It's not it's exactly like he's flat. doing these wild things with both characters. They seem to be relatively in the same field, and it. I don't think I didn't notice like that many subtle touches that made him stand out. But I, I just wanted to say that I, I think he's great, but I think that praise is a bit overhyped. Yeah, I mean, I think that in terms of just, like, as a character, David is easily the best part of this movie. Um, yes. Walter, kind of boring. Uh, but, you know, I thought it was interesting to see the differences between them, like you said. I think that it's also interesting to see the things that Walter can do that David can't, um, just from, like, a skill level. And I think that, like, for the most part, David is, like, the fact that he becomes the villain and i you know i i'm sure that we'll talk about the bridge between prometheus and alien covenant and what happened during that time but like as we go deeper isn't in the movie well yeah exactly uh but like as we go deeper into his like his mind and and we see like what's happening there and why like creation is the most important thing to him even like creating this perfect organism as he calls it that that it's just this like which is a great callback to the original as we'll get to i think that like it is just a really like interesting way to explain some of the things that make the alien the alien and that like we do have a hand in it you know something like that came from humans ultimately was the creator of like the aliens that like began to like cause all of these problems later on in the series and i think that just the fact that it stems from him is just really interesting and and was one of the most compelling parts of the movie in my opinion so can can we just talk about this stuff now how there was like parts of this movie that were supposed to be yeah. part of it but I, i'll i'll let you explain it, it yeah explain. You'll, you'll explain you'll know more yeah so i don't i actually don't i haven't found anywhere online whether or not these scenes were created for specifically to be prologues or if they were created to be within the film but there are a bunch of prologue scenes which is where james franco is in this movie mm. um having to do with the crew and also doing a little bit of bridging between Prometheus and Covenant. And I, I don't really know why they weren't in the movie. This was a two hour movie. I don't think it would have been hurt by being a two hour and 15 minute movie. I don't know if you guys, even though Matt, you didn't like the movie. I don't think it would have been hurt necessarily by, by giving us a little more setup. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think so. Yeah. I, I, I don't think that this film, you know, could, there's no reason that this movie couldn't be two hours and 15 minutes. Um, 
But specifically, as we'll get to later, um, there is a bridging of the gap more between Prometheus and Covenant. I guess I didn't need more of, like, the crew, but I feel like there was there's about a one-minute scene, one to one-and-a-half-minute scene that actually links us between Prometheus and Covenant, where Numira Pace is actually in this movie, um, besides whatever little mocap work she did to be that hologram, if she even did that. Um, so I, I think, I think you know, maybe that's me being a Prometheus fan, wanting it to be... A little more tied together but I don't, I don't know how do you how do you guys feel did you want that prometheus scene to be in there I, I was very happy that it was disconnected i was really i was really just happy with how i mean it was connected but it just we didn't need to be be too much connected with that and honestly the character uh the character of shaw didn't really have that much to do with it like uh, i mean mm-hmm. you know imagine not having seen uh prometheus going into this movie you'd have a tiny bit of background on david like a little bit but uh i mean shaw isn't in this i think it would have been equally interesting to just see this david character for the first time uh mm-hmm. know that he was that he was on board with a human who died uh and i think they explain a lot of that in this movie which made me feel like i didn't need prometheus but i i don't know how you guys feel about this obviously ryan you like prometheus a lot Brennan and matt what do you what did you guys think about and was Prometheus necessary to you? Because I felt like it wasn't. Um, well, watching Covenant made Prometheus seem like a masterpiece and made me appreciate it <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> um, I, I don't think I necessarily... Matt's coming over to my side. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen the scene you're talking about, Floyd, with uh, Numi Rapace, and I'm assuming Fassbender. It's, it's pretty simple. Basically, just to describe it, it's basically just um, Numi Rapace like, putting David's dis you know disconnected head onto another android body and them hmm. talking oh okay so it answers uh, that question um and then she goes into hypersleep or whatever you want to call it yeah yeah okay yeah I- i'm 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 glad they didn't have a scene of um you know fassbender killing uh numi rapace or transforming her in his uh science project whatever he's doing um i, I like how they there is a disconnect um i guess it does welcome in new viewers but it but i don't know it, it um much like how Prometheus is this very weird prequel to the Alien movies, this feels like a strange sequel to the Prometheus movies too. Although there are, you know, very clear connections, I, I kind of enjoyed how it it wasn't just, you know, one year after. Now we're at this movie. I mean, I think this movie takes place uh, uh, eleven over... years later. It's eleven years. Well, eleven, yeah, it's 11 years, years later. Eleven years later or so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what? I, okay. What I what I would think. The way I would have edited this, and the way I think it would have made more sense cohesion-wise, I, I'll sorry, Brennan, I'll get to you in one sec. I okay. just think you throw this scene right after the David scene, the David birth scene. You'd be like, okay, this is David's birth scene. Okay, this is twenty ninety three. Okay, this is the start of Covenant. Like that's how I would have done it. It doesn't take anything away from later in the film, other than maybe telling you that David's going to be in this movie, which this is the prequel. Sorry, this is the sequel to Prometheus. Obviously, this is going to have some connection to Prometheus. So I don't think it would be a spoiler for later in the movie that David's going to show up. But go ahead, Brennan, with what you were going to say. I kind of thought it was going to be Shaw for the whole thing. I was thinking David's dead, his head was left in the place, and then, yeah, it was going to be like Shaw living on this planet alone and like being some kind of... Some kind of scavenger or something, but well, I'm glad that I didn't give that away from you to you in the Prometheus podcast because I felt like I was implying almost a little too much that David was in the next movie, knowing oh, that okay. he wouldn't show up for the first hour. Rip. Um, yeah, I think that in terms of disconnect, for me at least, I was very frustrated with what they decided to do with the character of Shaw. 
Um, it felt very much like in Alien 3 when mm. we woke them up and it was like, oh, by the way, you remember the other two people that you uh, were fighting to, uh, you know, your new foster daughter? She's not even in this movie. We just straight up killed her. And I, I realize it's not the same thing. Um, like emotionally. Yeah, no, it's nowhere near as offensive. No, uh, it's not no, as well handled. Yes, it, it, it's not. Uh, I was gonna say it's it's not. Uh, it's, it's nowhere way n- better handled. <laughs> <laughs> right, it it is way better handled because they do give some explanation for it later. Uh, but I think just the it fact- has a significance to the plot. Yeah, right. But at the same time, I literally like I just she wasn't in the movie at all. Like, they were like, they made such a big deal of her surviving Prometheus and being like, oh my god, she's the last one. She beat the trilobite and and the engineer at his own game. And I was literally like, and she was like, and then she saved David and then we find out that she's dead. And later on that, like, David dissected her. And I was like, what? Like, why? What is the point? Like, could they just not afford Numi Rapace for this movie? Oh, they definitely could. I mean, she was in that prequel scene. Uh, I know. Here's the thing. Like, but I don't know what's it's the up reactionary with this thing I was talking about. A lot of this movie feels reactionary to you know the the criticism from fans, and I I wouldn't have been the, my criticism of Prometheus was you know not directly at Numi Rapace's character, although I thought she wasn't that interesting. I wouldn't have hated to see her in this movie. It's just a lot of the choices in here feel very oh. Fans didn't like this. We'll, we'll switch it up and make it more alien-like. And I mean, like you said, Floyd, they now we have another the replacement Ripley. Like. Second replacement Ripley, coming up. Here we go. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, see, I didn't mind Shaw not being in this movie because it actually, like you said, Floyd, it, it serves the plot. Uh, it it's. You know, we're suspicious at first that you know when we find out that she's dead, you mm-hmm. know, did. What really happened? Uh, did David have something to do with this? Did he really try to stop it? And, you know, we later realized that she was killed by him for a very nefarious purpose. And that that reveal actually means something. It's not just like, sorry, she's not in it and her death means nothing. We're just retconning this whole thing. It was, it, it's actually important to show, you know, what David's doing, his motivations and, and that kind of thing. And you then know, we I- grapple with it on like newton hicks's death yeah i feel like we're, I, I feel like we're gonna subtly just fight about alien 3 for the entirety <laughs> of this podcast i think that um my problem with it was that she wasn't but like there was no closure to her character like at the beginning um I, I, overall i don't really think that there's that much closure to her entire character it's just like oh she's dead and then later it's like by the way he he dissected her and picked her apart like if they had shown them like actually crashing and stuff like that and then or something like that and like i think it's just poor writing like they needed to allow for more intrigue into it to make like the viewer wonder more so like like what happened like uh, did david like kill her because at the time i was literally like they said like yeah she died in the crash and i was like okay great like and by the time it came up i felt like like before i knew that i was like this just feels like a retcon to not have numi rapace in the movie and then they were like oh but he dissected her and i was like oh no scary her face is cut open on the table whatever see the reason i disagree with you i i don't think this is bad right i actually think this is well well it may have been studio mandated that like we want this to be xenomorph based instead of um shaw and david based what what i think mm-hmm. works about it is that it uses it to perpetuate some of the ideas in 
in Prometheus that they are really picking up on in Covenant about creation and, and David really feeling like he is this creator that has been like bestowed with, you know, the Prometheus fire to create. Um, which is why I, I think that this still works. And I think it's good writing, especially the way they set it up, the, the, the slow reveal um, while we're in, in David's castle, um, the way, whatever you want to call it. But, but I also like the slow reveal of learning David's intentions and what he's done too. It's a very, I think it's very well done how we learn sort of what, what things he's done and, and what things he's planning to do in a, in a very slow way. And at every turn, it's just like, Oh damn, David did that. Oh wow. David's really evil. Like it, 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 I think the, the film builds to David being the villain really well. And he's a really cool villain. Yeah, he, he is a really great villain. Before before we get there, though, I feel like we should talk about what came next, which is the Covenant, uh, the namesake, um, on seven years away from reaching Orgai 6, which was supposed to be this colonization mission. Um, and so they, they get woken up after a solar flare, and um, James Franco dies for some reason, which, guys, oh, like, no. what? What? What a strange what, I, casting I just, choice. So weird. <laughs> It's so weird. I don't so understand. Weird. Maybe he just um, wanted to be an alien or some shit like that. Maybe. Maybe. He, I mean, he's friends with Danny McBride. Maybe he was just visiting the set and Ridley Scott yeah. was like, be in the movie. Um, fun. But I don't I don't know. Um, but I, I do like the way that, that this movie starts up with the Covenant crew um, finding the transmission from Shaw, singing Country Roads. I think it's it's a really interesting way to start off the movie. I think I like that. It shows that Good this meme. isn't necessarily just a, a, a very easy thing to go into cryosleep, you know, and then to go in and out of cryosleep that it actually can take a physical toll. And if it's done improperly, you can die from doing this. So it's not just like, OK, we're going to go to sleep now and then you'll be fine. I do I like the way that it adds that to the series. I think, I think this it, is, a, it is. Yeah, oh, sorry. I was going to say it's an interesting variation. Yeah, because most of the time we just see people peacefully waking up out of Kyra sleep, although it is like kind of a you throw up after you get up and, and such. So I think this is a interesting beginning, sort of. I, I think the, the, the country roads inclusion is just weird and always takes me out of the movie. And I'm like, why is this here? Numi Rapace is British, correct? And it's, it's just a great so strange song. She is singing the song and it's and, – and I just – we can get into this. But I think the characters here are so forgettable. I like just absolutely terribly written. I mean, we. I, I cannot tell you, like, one detail even about... I, I thought that even the Catherine Watterson character was absolutely... Just what was there to her character? Absolutely nothing. I thought this was uh, atrocious. Just, like, laughable at times, I think this movie is. And that's one of my problems with this movie. How it tries to pair this... How it tries to be provocative with its writing. And, ooh, look at the, the sexual innuendo. But then it tries to pair this with these very serious, weighty intellectual themes and it just comes across as dumb and very forced i think interesting for in terms of crew members they really like i don't know they really focused on a lot of them like too much like to the point where like i knew who was going to be left by the end of the movie within like the first Power no way! You did not think. Oh that my Dana god! As was gonna soon, survive this. as soon as they introduced him and kept showing him on screen, I was literally like, "Okay, he's gonna live," just because he lost his wife and now he's all sad, and she lost her husband, and it was like a whole thing. And I was like, "Doctor Manhattan is gonna get killed at some point because he's an idiot," and like, 
No, I don't know. Danny McBride. I Danny McBride is telegraphed in this movie that he's going to be the last one to die and that he's going to sacrifice himself. They were for... spending so much time on him that I was literally like, okay, he'll spend be a ton like of time on Vickers and like Charlie. They, they really, like. I mean, besides like Walter. And, well, uh, also Orem, we spent a lot of time on. Yeah, we spent a ton of time with Orem. He dies. I think. Yeah. I, I think the first two uh, deaths were really predictable. The the ecologists sure, yeah. that are like we're gonna hang back and do something different than the rest of the group i was like yeah. okay they're gonna die but yeah i, I, like, I thought the rest of it was pretty die. well handled yeah this is a horror movie so people are gonna die like, <laughs> i mean i just Let's... i figured it was like textbook alien that like oh there's only gonna be one person left by the end like well two people but like you know it, i don't know it was just like it it was really like early on obvious to me like who was like how they were going to kill off all of these people they're going to spare the ridley replacement or ripley replacement um and then as once soon a podcast, as podcast it has to happen to one of us it has to happen once per podcast um and then as soon as they started focusing on tennessee or whatever and like how he lost his wife and how he was like so committed to them i was like okay like he's gonna live aside from that because i don't have too much of a problem with that but my problem was just just I, I like I said, the writing of these characters. Like, oh, his name's Tennessee. Get it? Oh, he's got he's got a little bit of a of a southern accent. Oh, he he likes country music. You see? Oh, he can sing the song. Oh, you look at it's just felt so surface level, and that was all there was to his character. And that's and, and he was probably the most fleshed out out of all of them. Probably even more so is the, than the uh, uh, Watterson character. Who I, no I'm way. literally blanking on her name. I can't even remember Daniel. her name. Danny. It's just, Danny. Danny. Yeah, Danny. Wait, really? Is that her name? Okay. Her last name's Daniels. Everyone calls her Danny. Okay. All right. Daniels Danny. I, I just think it's absolutely... And another thing is the aesthetic of these beginning scenes. It's very striking how different this aesthetic is, different how different it is than Prometheus. I guess they were trying to, you know, address some of the um, criticisms of why is Prometheus technology so advanced? And, you know, <laughs> there was kind of that continuity error, which I didn't have too much of a problem with. So it seems like they're cry- they're trying to harken back to the alien grittier i mean the spacesuits don't look as clean just the environment as a whole looks a little dirty but for me it just felt so i it, it didn't have that same uh lived in aspect of alien it just felt very i just don't the way this movie shot just looks so unpleasing to look at but not in a this is a lived in and you know worked in an environment it just feels not pleasing to look at at all i don't know if you guys share these yeah. sentiments but that's how i felt for the majority of this movie that it's just not good to look at no, yeah, I, I, I disagree with both of the points that you've made here, Matt. I, I think that these characters are good. I, I wouldn't say they're as good as the Prometheus characters, um, which I, I still hold are, are, is a very great uh, supporting cast. Um, probably one of the better supporting casts of the Alien franchise. This one this one's just no. a middle-of-the-road one. I think it's probably equivalent. Uh, this is blasphemy. I think it's probably equivalent to the Alien uh crew because they they get about the same i i still don't man i still really disagree the that you think that this the alien crew in the original is this suit these are all super well fleshed out full characters because oh, that's they're like just one not. of the greatest casts of all time <laughs> no it's a good cast i just don't think that i mean like some of the greatest these characters char- aren't I, I i just disagree i just don't i, I think they're they're they are they are good they are a good supporting but it's cast like, what about it's these characters movie. is so is so telling and, and so interesting other than okay this person is an ecologist oh this person runs a ship and he's got a hat and he speaks in a southern accent 
and he, he makes corny jokes every now and then. It just, it, it, nothing about it felt interesting at all. They don't, okay, this guy's the military man. Oh, oh, he's got the cigar. That's why, oh, remember that? That's from Aliens, the guy who wakes up from Cairo sleep. Everything just felt so forced. I know I'm going to get really nitty-gritty here, and you guys probably didn't notice this, but the copy and paste of the music. So when they first introduced the movie with the Alien Covenant title sequence, they, they used the Alien theme. Yeah, I love it. I was like, scene. okay, and I was like, that's fine. That's cool. I like it. We're kind of bringing it back. And then the entire movie, that's all they do. I, there was no, no, nothing original in this, this score. The it was force oh, I disagree. the first movie. I disagree. I'll get to a specific For, moment that I love the score. But, um, uh, so, the, the I, characters in this movie that I really, really like are Tennessee, because he's just a fun Danny McBride character, which I'm fine with. But then also, I really, really like Billy Crudup's Orem character. Mm-hmm, he he continuously has this growth so he starts off you know he is the new captain he doesn't have the the composure really to be the captain and i like the way that he struggles to be in charge when obviously people want to follow katherine watterson's character a lot more and and katherine watterson she has the good development with her husband dying she has that that problem she has an attachment to walter and then walter being a very interesting character on top of that with the way that he is different from he is different from uh from from david and we get that contrast later in the movie had face to face but we also get the contrast from prometheus to covenant so i think at least with with those three characters um i think i think that that's what really keeps this movie afloat and those are the characters that matter uh for anyone that was curious i did put daniel's danny in the stop wait what character document just so that we have that covered uh but i i also had a, a point about uh the the whole thing so one of the things that i was hoping for with this was that the world would feel more lived in than prometheus uh, i i still have maintained the same problems of the technology mystically magically getting worse um years later uh, and of course you can make the argument that like oh it was a trucker ship uh an alien and this is like you know it's it's a civilian ship so it's going to be nicer and it's going to have nicer technology like i get that but i mean in other alien things it still doesn't improve so there's a little bit of uh continuity here with that but uh you know the the big thing that matt and i always talk about on these podcasts is if the world uh feels lived in and it's something that the first alien did really well um and i i thought at the beginning of this um, that the covenant was going to feel more lived in um, because of a scene that I actually found very frustrating, which was when she was mourning her husband. And I was like, I, I have not met this husband. Am I supposed to be, am I supposed to have a tear in my eye because yes. this man has died and it's James Franco? No, not James Franco. Um, but when, when she did pull the nail out, I like, I was like, you know, if we had spent more time with them, I bet that would have had some really interesting significance. Uh, and then they didn't bring it up until she uses it to stab David later in the movie. Um, but I, I thought for a second when they had all that stuff, when she was mourning over her husband, that the world was going to feel more lived in than it did. Um, but it just didn't deliver on it like past that. Uh, I thought the temple well, those were the prologue kind of scenes though. Hmm. To, like that we would have gotten more James but it Franco wasn't in the movie to me okay yeah to me the fact that they don't that they don't you know show you a ton of james franco's character before he dies that makes it feel lived in you know why would it be that like from but from why the, am i sad then like from like, the random time you don't have to be sad i mean it's just to show it, it's just showing something that happens and it's not necessarily i mean i felt 
I feel I feel like the 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 question. Maybe I'm not gonna say this right, but I'm gonna try. Mm-hmm. Maybe I think the question that you're trying to answer is uh, why does this matter? And you yes. want to answer it with um, whether it's sad or not. Um, <clears throat> but I think the 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 question to ask is uh, is it sad? And the answer is yes, because it matters to her and it matters to the whole crew and it really throws off the balance a lot. So I think that, I think there's kind of a chicken and egg thing that you're, you're like, I need this to have been set up. But in fact, I I think that when it's, I I think the fact that it it wasn't set up is, is all you need, you know? Um, just a a bit, Ryan, I I see you got something to say. I just wanted to, to address that a little bit. Um, I think my my problem with it is I, I agree it is a really sad moment for her and I understand that like yes you, you just lost your husband who you want to like build a life with and you want to build a log cabin on the side of a lake with him um, and, and we get that later on but I think like at that moment the the way that it's shot is like telling me that I should also be like I, maybe I'm a, like you know, reading this wrong, but like the way that it's shot and the way that the score is like leads, leads me to believe that like, this is like a tragic moment for you, the viewer as well. Like, you know, like this should be so sad for you to see that this man has died, but I'm like, I haven't spent any time with this man. And I feel bad for her. Like, don't get me wrong. Like knowing that that's her husband, but at the same time, I'm like, I feel like they're putting more emphasis on this with just the way that they're shooting it. And and so it was very confusing and frustrating for me because it did matter and it mattered to her. I just didn't understand why. And like, I I didn't really understand like where the, the way that the movie was being shot was like directing me as the viewer to, to kind of experience. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm not making sense. Yeah. It it was confusing for me. What what I think this scene does within the context of the way the movie is presented is that it it shows how isolated Daniels feels. And that's really the point of the scene. And that's really the point of Daniel's character. And by the end, she is even more isolated. Like this is a very bleak ending of a movie. Um, But I I think here's the show that she is isolated from the very beginning and that she will continue to stay that way until she is like literally isolated by the end. She's, she's fucked by the end. Um, But, but what I like about, you know, the crew and, in all these interactions that are going on at the beginning of this movie is that we get Billy Crudup's character, Orem, um, who I says, as I said before, doesn't really have good command of the ship. Uh, it seems like, you know, even when Daniels walks into the, to the meeting, she really commands everyone's presence. Everyone wants to listen to her. Um, she directly defies, um, Orem's orders even in, he has a, he has a really, I think just a backwards mindset on how we should handle this crew. Um, and they listen to her, you know, they do the funeral, they all have this respect for her. Um, and I, I like the way that all of these dynamics kind of work together, the power dynamics of this movie, because, like, it, it, it really well sh- foreshadows what's coming later, which is all about power. You know, that's all David cares about. He cares about creation, cares about power. So I think it's it's good to show, like, how we have this through line where even if it's in power in a different way, command for Orem, which is a really the, the crux of the beginning of this movie really plays well nicely with with david's want for command um on a on a species-wide level later in the movie and to have you know just daniels be like kind of this centerpiece in this movie that just feels so isolated because of heavy loss um much in the same way that 
Ripley is in Aliens, not as well. It's not again. I'm not gonna say that any character in this movie is as good as uh, or that this movie is as good as Aliens because I think Aliens is the best in the series. But I I like the way that this scene works in conjunction with the entirety of the first half an hour of this movie. See, I think my problem with the James Franco thing is that it doesn't translate throughout the entire movie. It feels like they came up with the beginning of this movie and then the end of this movie. But then, in terms of Danny's character, but then they completely lost her in the middle. All right, the movie starts off. I get it. She's isolated. She's suffered this great loss, which, although it may not translate for me as the viewer, I understand that she would be sad. But then in the middle of this movie, I find that it completely gets it gets lost, and it seems like they just did it so that, okay, she can have more of a bond with um, the Walter character, so that at the end, we can have the twist with the log cabin. I think that's why, for me, her character never comes through, and the power dynamics that you were talking about in these group scenes, I think, just, just don't read for me at all, because it doesn't... I never got the sense that they have this overwhelming respect for her, or that she totally commands a scene. One, because I just don't think she... she as an actress and as the character's written, it just doesn't work that way. And it just seems logical. Well, of course they would. Of course they would They would want to uh, stand with, you know, grieve with her a bit. Of course, it's her husband died. It doesn't feel like a, you are such a, uh, you know, a person that I respect so much that I'm going to do this thing for you. It just feels like, well, obviously you would defy this man's order. His, his name is Orem. He's like pathetic. He doesn't seem like he would enact any real sort of, uh, you know, punishment on these people. So for me, that never came through. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. I think a lot of this also, I, I get what you're saying with, you know, the power dynamic in terms of Catherine Watterson, like, her performance. I don't think she, I think that is the point in the movie, that she doesn't want to command, but, like, that people are drawn to her, and that's the way that I kind of took this movie. I think maybe the point of that scene was to show how poor of a leader Orm was, um, but, but what I do like about this movie, and early on, and especially with the Orm character, is that this movie continues, um the christianity um storyline or ideas that were prominent in prometheus which i really enjoy in both movies and which i think were that having... subtle in prometheus but for me just you can continue but just that was my problem here they were actually just way too I, I think it is much subtler here i think that or maybe yeah i think it is subtler here because orem orem is a christian but i don't think that really is the point um, you know, we had that amazing scene, which is probably the be- still the best scene in both of the movies between uh, Charlie and David um, back in Prometheus. But, you know, here Orm is a, is a Christian, which I think is important. But I think what really works better is having the two, you know, old, you know, kind of the Old Testament and New Testament God. You know, Catherine Watterson almost represents this character who doesn't, you know, create necessarily, but she is this more tender, loving, you know, she accepts Walter, Walter loves her, you know, they have this very loving relationship between a human and an android, you know, the humans created the androids, there's this loving relationship, and meanwhile, there's, there's Walter, or not Walter, there's um, David on the other end, who is this, you know, very mean, angry god who wants to destroy everything, um, I feel like these these are the kind of parallels and ideas that I like in this movie. And while they, I may you may think I'm stretching for these, I feel like I got these pretty clearly from the movie. I don't know if Logan, you had similar reactions. Yeah, I'd say so. I mean, I, I definitely didn't feel like I was being uh, beaten over the head with these ideas. I I found them interesting, you know. And you know, I like I kind of like the ideas that were in Prometheus too. Um, yeah, and I, I think they continue that in a in a not too. Not too over the top way. I don't. I, that just wasn't an issue I had with it. Uh, so yeah, just I just didn't just didn't really cross my mind. This is why I disagree that the 
the faith aspect of Orem's character is subtle because every single line that he has references this. What, oh, I'm not saying that, that Orem's faith is what, subtle. That's what, not what, what I'm saying about it. Okay. One of the, the, the terrible line in this movie is later on when he's talking to uh, uh, when he's talking to, to David and he says, I met the devil when I was young and I never forgot it, which is just random and came out of nowhere. And then in this first scene, the beginning of the movie where we, we establish his relationship with um, whatever that character's name is, all he talks about is, I have faith. I, they, they have to trust me. I, and then when he's talking to the other character... I don't believe in luck. He just blatantly says it. Like, you can convey that through his actions. We would understand that you don't believe in luck because you're, and because you're, you want to go ahead and, and play, and, uh, you know, you believe this transmission right off the gate and you think it's something important. Why aren't these things we can just convey rather than just smacking us over the head with, I don't believe in luck. I am a faith person. Like, it, it just felt that this is why I thought the writing was just so clunky in this movie. Yeah, I, I gotta disagree. I, I do love that line of, like, I've I've seen the devil and, you know, David reminds him of that. I do like that line. I think it it, it is on the nose, but I do like it. I, I like um, it, but and, I also don't fully understand what it means. What does he mean by that? I have no I, idea. I would say that, that David is evil incarnate. Yeah, I know, but what does he mean by mm-hmm. he's seen the devil? He's seen the devil. He was like, like, so he saw okay. the devil when he was a kid. What would have deepened Orem's character and maybe made the, the devil sign make sense, the devil line make sense, is maybe if we had some sort of hint at, oh, there was a tragedy in his backstory. Oh, yeah. and this is why he is such a devout, devout faith-based man who has to go out and you know investigate this transmission. And you know maybe there's some sort of trauma there and he doesn't want to ruminate on the grief and the loss of this one death. He just wants to continue along. It's like I needed something more. And not like a flashback, but just hints through through well-written dialogue, which I feel like this movie never delivers. Yeah, I, I basically, when I heard that, I was like, did I miss something? I don't understand what he's relating that to. I don't know. It, it was just hard to follow, in my opinion. Um, but they did really you know like kind of beat you over the head with it <laughs> when he was like you're gonna get laughed at if you're a man of faith and i was like yes yes <laughs> i will laugh at you what i kind of do like about that though is like it shows where we are like in the, in the progression of humanity in terms of christianity like you are a pariah at this point if you're a religious which i think is actually kind of interesting the we future get that little i bit of like, like we get that little <laughs> i'm not gonna disagree with that um <laughs> It shows where how humanity has progressed from where we are now to where we are in 2104 with this movie. So those kind of details I like in terms of having him be like, I am a man of faith. They're not going to trust me because of that. They're going to think I'm just like this crazy nut. Um, I, I don't have a problem with that. I, I think that it's actually a, a pretty cool thing to, to give us a little context of where the world is at that point. Yeah. Cool. Yep. All right. Let's move on. Let's get we out of the move on, yeah. Let's get out of the beginning. Um. So. So we finally land. You know. We we. We get to the point in the movie that I think is the best. So the setup is a setup. I. I there. It's very rare that a movie pisses me off and it's set up the way that Alien Three does. Um. So there's nothing really in this first half an hour that really that really makes me upset i do love the country road stuff country road stuff i i do, do want to mention i i love the suspense of when the guys are fixing the ship um i feel like i don't know if maybe that's just my own anxiety that went in there but when they were out fixing the solar panels i'm like oh my god one of them's gonna die and fall into space and then just be in oblivion and then float through space until i slowly uh suffocate to death but maybe that's just my own um 
anxiety popping through there, but I do love that scene. But then get down to the ship or get go on the lander, go down to do do we ever get a name of this planet? I don't think so. I don't know. I don't think we do either. Um, but whatever that makes sense. Like they wouldn't if they didn't know about it, they wouldn't there wouldn't be a name for it. Yeah. So let's call it let's call it David. Um, we're just gonna call it David Planet. Um. (laughs) David Planet. Let's just call it David Planet from now on. Uh, it's almost one in the morning. I'm yeah, not doing great, guys. It's just called um, the Perfect Planet or whatever. Yeah, let's call it something like that. But so they they touch down on the planet, and I I love the way that this movie sets up this as like this breeding ground almost for David when we get there because they get down and it's this very Earth like um, atmosphere and like you know terrain. And they're going around and exploring, but we get these little hints very quickly that something's wrong. And they use this line for the trailer by uh, Catherine Watterson's character. But she says, "There, do you hear that? Nothing. There are no birds, no animals, nothing. I, I love the way that foreshadows what's happening there. And just it, it immediately gives you an eerie vibe on this planet. So what I don't quite get uh, about this is the wheat. Um, I, I Originally... When they landed on this planet, I was like, okay, this is the planet where Shaw crash landed, crash, uh, crash, got it. Shaw has been living here alone all this time, and this is going to be, like, a cool, like, you know, edgy version of Shaw, and, um, she's been growing wheat in the field, but why is the wheat there? He just says, like, the guy, one guy recognizes it as wheat. David's not growing it, because he doesn't need to eat. This this is such a weird line because the, I think the character's name is Lope, if I'm correct. Maybe. Yes, he's one of them. Jamie Bashirs. Lope, it's just so like I laughed out loud. Lope walks up and he touches it and he's like, "This is wheat. Believe me, I would know if it's wheat." <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's like, are, Why would you know that? Are you a farmer? <laughs> okay. <laughs> that makes like, sense. It, it's so, but it seems like there's some special emphasis. Like, believe me, I would know if it's wheat. Like, yeah. It's okay. Very strange. I don't know. It's, it's probably like the, it's just a it's just a personality quirk. Like we don't need yeah. an explanation it's, that it's that. Can you imagine how exhausting no. it would be? Like, all right, we have a ten person crew. Let's get into every single person's backstory and every backstory for every single line of dialogue. And like, the, that's not good. And writing. then how clunky it would feel, and how much we would be like, oh, that doesn't feel lived in because it's yeah. not no. because they have to explain everything. I don't know. There's yeah, there's everything we lived in in this movie, so we just he just says, yeah, I would know weed. So he's probably a farmer, so he knows weed. I, again, these are small things in these prequel movies that you guys keep harping on them. It's like, just like, a weird joke. These are small things. It's just I, it, it's no, it's it's not a big thing, but I'm just saying this is emblematic of the writing this movie in general they, yeah. it just the, the dialogue does not feel something like something like something that people would say and i think you do have to walk this 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 fine line of you know obviously i don't want every single line to be explained but i would like these characters personalities to review to be revealed in more subtle ways than just blatantly spelling it out like orum or you know these these very just caricatures that we've seen in so many other movies. I'm a military man, so I have the cigar. Like it, it just it's <laughs> it, it, none of this comes Classic. through for me. And it. it's like the line before where the guy's like, "I hate space. This is why you should do yoga." What? Like okay, like I, you're trying to be funny, like aliens, but it's not funny. It doesn't make sense. It just so I just think I think the writing in this movie is probably the worst writing out of any of the alien movies. Oh you, come on! Do you think I, I would say I would say it's the worst, worse than Resurrection? Do you think that no maybe way. the the implication with the wheat is that like the engineers were the ones that brought wheat to Earth and that they like taught the humans how to like grow wheat True. and that's like 
the reason that there's wheat on it because it's like uh, wheat comes from this planet and that's why like that's why weren't you all wondering throughout all of the alien movies where did wheat come from (laughs) where did wheat come from i'm so glad this was a question it's like it's like the rogue one thing this is a question that everyone wanted answered (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think that might be the case either that or it could be bait by david Mm. because so much of this movie is bait by david to get to get someone to come to the planet because they, the, the entire reason that he sent out that that call was to be bait to get the the colonists to come down there because yeah. he wanted to he ran out of or he ran out of organic matter which is the reason that there are no birds no animals nothing he has nothing left to experiment with so he has to lure people into um the planet and maybe having wheat there would get them to stay you know continuing sure, yeah. or or also your explanation works too brennan very interesting. I don't think again these aren't pressing matters, um, but okay. So we get the first infection. Um, I, I believe his name was Cole or Kate or something like that. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um, he gets infected by the little spore, and then so does Lope's husband. Um, Weird body and moment. They, they both. Yeah. Okay. So this is this is where we get to the good stuff of this movie. Um, the slow deterioration of these two characters. I love, and then mixing in, like, finding the, the alien ship, mixing in with all the no birds, no sounds, nothing, the, the time, like, after the shit hits the fan, like, the, the thing goes in the ear, which is a really cool shot, everything just gets so eerie in this movie, and I love the way that this thing just ramps up for these ten minutes before the, um, the neomorphs come out. It's you not know, exactly in a, way, a slow burn, I would y- say. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty fast. In a way, this is sort of a, a rehash of some of the earlier Alien stuff, but like, but it's I, I never mind it because it's a new crew every time, and they're finding out, uh, you know, and and they find out in different ways uh, th- throughout the movies, and so I think this always keeps me. This is always an interesting part of the movie, like waiting for them to figure out what's going on, and it's also a reason why later when the characters do really stupid things like mm-hmm. come on orm just look in the egg okay i guess i will what could go wrong like we of course know that that's an awful idea because we've seen alien but like he doesn't know that um, i was gonna say we didn't complain an alien when john hurt stuck his head in front of a, an yeah, egg I, that's yeah because we didn't know it's a horror movie they're gonna be stupid yeah exactly yeah. so well, so and when in when in your life have you ever had a, a thing that is gonna kill you pop out of an egg like and this is before alien yeah in fact you know yeah, what I mean? yeah right. exactly so that's my point um, like I'm he's like, not stupid for sticking his face in it i mean the only reason he'd be stupid for sticking his face in it would be to trust david that he's not trying to kill him. david but yeah um but yes, I, I agree with you, Floyd. I think the suspense here is cool, and I do love the ear shot. I think that's a beautiful shot when we enter into this man's uh, eardrum. But I think we get the explanation for why this thing pops out of his back, and I think really the impetus for this whole movie. This man never peed. He never peed. He never peed. <laughs> this man is backed up the entire movie. <laughs> He never releases. Well, unless I, think, I guess he was just trying to go there to go light up the cigarette. I think that's what I think he just wanted to smoke. Yeah. yeah. But I, Yeah, but I, then I what if he had to pee like like ten minutes later for real? And then the lady with he him would have been like minutes later. Did you just pee? Yes. <laughs> he I was dead shortly after that. But no, I I love the way that yeah, these ten minutes it slowly ramps up the tension. And see what what you say, Logan, is like, oh, we get this kind of thing every time. This is different. There is no egg. It is. This is a the crew is very spread out over this planet. People are more like like so much of this movie. People are more isolated. Um, 
so that when Orem's wife, which I forget the character's name, and I, I'm too lazy. It's one in the morning. I'm not gonna, not gonna look it up. Mm. Um, you know, when when she's two. carrying him, she's yes. carrying him to back to the ship, and he just keeps falling over, and he's just he's sick. He's sick in a much more visceral way than John Hurt ever was, because John Hurt, you know, with a facehugger again. All these things that I I am criticizing Alien for in these two movies, I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying that this movie is different. Um, and that I enjoy it being I, different than the original Alien. So when when we, you know, John Hurt just gets the facehugger and then he's laying there and they're like, what the hell is was going on? Why is he, you know, why is his facehugger on there? They have that whole sequence in Alien. Here it's like, this dude's sick. This is weird. And then we get some of the grossest shit in the series with the back, backburster. I think that's a really cool twist, like backburster. It's just a, it's just like a neat turn of things, you know? I, um, well, when... It comes to the actual alien. I thought it was interesting to see like a completely new way of actually like someone getting infected with it. Uh, I think it does happen at a much more rapid rate than we've ever seen for the sure. alien series before. Yeah, um, strangely fast. <laughs> and I, I think that like having a backburster is a really interesting concept. Uh, it's I such got an amazing vi- scene. I got viscerally angry when I saw what came out of him. I yelled no at my TV because the tiny fucking monkey thing that pops out of his back was, I was like, no, why? Like why? And she had a knife. She grabs a knife and doesn't use it on the thing. I was like, I was actually angry watching it because I was like, it's so it like, it just looks so shitty compared to all the other aliens that we've encountered. And I like, I know that the first like chest burster looks bad, but like, it's it, it, like just comparatively to all the different versions of the alien that we've seen, like the trilobite was horrifying last movie. And this like tiny, like little monkey thing with a weird head. I was like, what is going on? I like um, the Neomorph design. I, I think it's cool. See the thing. I think okay, it gets better the later thing I on. To point out about when it gets uh, bigger, Neomorph. but when it, the way that it starts out as like this oh. weird little like monkey thing, I think it gets more interesting as it grows. I also think it grows a, like a little too fast, but I, that doesn't. That's a technicality. I don't know. They always grow really fast. Uh, yeah, the, they grow up so fast. Uh, the thing <laughs> I really like so with fast. the neomorph is that uh, uh, in both times that it is birthed, its only objective is to escape. And mm-hmm. uh, the the one like in the lander, it does kill someone, but it's only because like it's trapped in this enclosed space, and that's all it knows how to do. Once the once uh, it realizes that it can get out, it gets out. Uh, you know, when when it's birthed uh, in a field and it has so many people standing around that would be easy target for prey. All it does is run away, and then they sort of return <laughs> once they're you know like stronger Big. and more ready to kill. It's such that <laughs> is such a later. brilliant detail. There are a lot of brilliant details in this movie that I really like, and that is one of them. Interesting. I didn't. I didn't ever notice that because although it does try to go for the door multiple times, it's because the I think her name is Ferris Floyd. The Ferris character is is right there outside and tries to grab her foot. I I never really took it that way. Yeah, it does um, attack for me. Her. I mentioned this in my in the introduction. I think that that these alien the the alien gory scenes are just so tiresome after a while i really? think they completely lose their effect god Cade when he's like I, I shaking in the backburster's okay, getting ready no, to come I, out no. Th- this very this very first instance is interesting i think that's a really cool design and disgusting this backburster but i think when we move on from here they just it, it's like it's it, you know it's like things we've talked about before you know it, uh 
bigger doesn't always equal better and it's you know 10,000 aliens storming at you in a field don't always mean scarier for me it just the and I hate the way the shaky cam everywhere I understand this is trying to take a different approach but it just feels so cheap and, and it feels gory in this slasher movie kind of way but in this mm. cheap way that doesn't deliver any any of the scariness or any of the body horror for me which I you know the backburster with the, is the exception but other than that I don't think this film captures the body horror that I thought Prometheus did well did did very very well i think these scenes are just so frenetically shot to the point of uh you know it's like a bad action movie where you can't discern what is going on yeah i I disagree i i really like the way that see when it's michael bay doing shaky cam for the entirety of the movie and you can't even tell who's fighting who that's fine but i think what i like about this is that in in when they do it correctly in horror movies is that it feels like you're in this the scene because your vision's always bouncing around when you're freaked out and running around that's why i think it works here because it makes and honestly instead of pulling me out it feels pulls me in more it feels like i'm actually there experiencing these kind of things um actually this is one scene that i want to point out that i love the score i love the way that there's this like great heartbeat score throughout these like five minutes that everything is building and then eventually it escalates and escalates and escalates with the scene which i think is really great um there's another point that i was gonna make but i don't remember it let's move on in the movie let's move on in the movie um so so the ship blows up the lander blows up um that's fun um God, but no oh, oh here we go with with the growth how, how this movie's gross um this movie continues to gross me out throughout the movie i think it, it is very effective in the body horror the other the second um neo neo neomorph that comes out of of lope's husband um out of his mouth in this like, just, like amazingly gross way and you see his like tongue come out with it and it's just it's so gross like the body horror in this movie is just disgusting and i it's so over the top it's not me. so you much I mean? body horror as it is gore which I think sure. is, it just, it's two separate things. It just feels like someone is duck, dumping, uh, dumping a bucket of blood all over the scene where it's like sometimes it's more effective to like not saw. have this much gore. Sometimes the body – like the body horror scene from Prometheus that is so effective is when – talking about the end of the movie when that whatever big squid creature Trilobite. lands down on, on the engineer's face. Do you know what I mean? And, and that's not even like blood or guts or anything. It's just a simple – you know the sexual imagery of someone penetrating someone else's throat and that's why i think it's so effective here it's just over the top just absolute craziness but but it doesn't translate into intrigue at all for me yeah it does for me and i guess i don't know i guess that's agree to disagree but it's um, a degree to disagree yeah. but yeah you know after the mouth burster is what i'm gonna call this one um i love this scene in the field um you know walter gets his hand like bitten off and like fries off by by one of the neomorphs i love it i love the way okay one this dude is, gets this his is... mouth whacked off yeah dude, dude Disgusting. i had that as i had it as a note just picks that jaw clean off just like wham jaw gone dead um that was Horrifying. an amazing moment um but i an this is one of the number this three this is one of the moments that i i have to entirely disagree with you matt that the visuals in this movie is subpar the lighting in the scene in the field when the neomorph is attacking is gorgeous like absolutely gorgeous it is an audio and visual feast especially then when david shows up this this scene is just fantastic it's the best action scene in the movie um it 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 ratchets it up the suspense and then when david finally shows up it's it's amazing 
Yeah, I mean, that's an, an agree to disagree. But uh, uh, talking on, on David appearing in this scene, I, I think that part is just laughable. Although it, I think it looks <laughs> kind of cool when you have the light, you know, coming up over top of him. Just when you get this image of this man with the hood on and he just shoots the fire, all the aliens run away. And then, OK, we'll follow this man. No questions asked. No one even no one no one asks him anything as they're running away. They, they're just they're just going. OK. And even though all the leaders and military generals are still there, it doesn't make sense. Well, I would I do was, that if I were just attacked yeah. by aliens and I saw a, a dude come up in in a hood who knew the exact way to get them to go away i would probably by the point but what i'm saying is they follow him for such a long distance and nowhere along the distance is anywhere like what anybody's like what is happening who is this man where are we going they get so clearly out of the field and into a forest and into a city and they're like still just going it doesn't it just it seems ridiculous i would say that after we like meet david and get back to the temple sort of thing is like or david's palace whatever we want to call it um is for me (laughs) when you like david's palace yeah it it was for me is when the the movie got more interesting so when david shows up is when like is my line in the sand where i'm like okay this is starting to shift into a better movie you know matt the big question that i would have asked him when when i was walking with him all that way was why are androids programmed to grow hair (laughs) yes i I was wondering that too yeah it's weird i don't i i don't really know that's one of the. I think that's one of the worst parts. I think that's my second least favorite part of that movie. This movie that doesn't make any sense, and we'll get to the other one later. Um, okay, so yeah, we get to the the engineer city wreckage, which is another thing production design wise just looks amazing. Um, it's very cool, and we kind of see it, and we're like, good. we kind of see this all the. I mean, it's almost like Pompeii-ish imagery if you guys yeah. have ever been there, and it's like bit, it's yeah. so cool, and we're like, what is it like? What happened here? And we of course find out later. Uh, in a very neat way but yeah sorry continue no yeah i've never been there but i definitely got that kind of that's what the the type of thing mm-hmm. they were going for especially later when we see the way they're dressed i think it's obviously supposed to be a pompeii parallel um i love I, yeah i love the way that david's palace you know you get that nosferatu vibe that like okay this person's probably helping me in this very specific time but it's gonna end up fucking me over in the end um but then david nosferatu was an absolutely absolutely goes nuts you can see it in in fassbender's face when he hears the 2000 colonists and he's like oh my god i've hit the mother load of test he says like so many good souls and i was like "Ooh, that didn't sit right with me oh oh, that's uncomfy um (laughs) i love this stuff when we get to when we get to the engineer city and you know the storm happens and you know covenant can't can't contact with them you know because you always got to find a way there's always got to be a storm in in these movies so they can't just communicate Mm -hmm. you know it's a it's a horror movie it happens um bad luck happens but then you know as as this half an hour luck exactly (laughs) as this half an hour of um film goes on you know where we get the, the different we see the different creations by david um we get the different interactions between david and walter which we get the weird flute scene um the weird Oh, did, did, did that we remind you guys? Oh, oh, you mean the one with the both of them? Yes. Yeah. Gross. I don't know. I'm it was kidding. very strange. It was, uh, I mean, later they kiss and I really didn't hot. see that coming. I was I like, I did not like that. I was like, is this going to happen? I feel Any like it's going to, but also like aliens I'm here for. They're, they're the, they're like the same guy. It's like, <laughs> yeah. you're, if you kiss yourself, is that gay? I don't know. It, fellas, is it okay to kiss yourself? <laughs> um, I, mean, I, I, say... I, 
It, it's yes, a very but awkward that's incredible. Scene. But I thought the um I, the I words know, that they were using I, in the I, Sorry, what? I was just saying like the verbiage that they were using in that like when I was said gross earlier, I wasn't saying gross because it was gay cuz obviously not homophobic, but I wanted to clear up the way that they were just talking about playing, saying yeah. like the the fingering. I was like, "Ugh, it was just disgusting." Like yeah, in any weird. context. See, I didn't I read it. the the flute talking as like super over sexual. Like I can get how I I understand how they like you could read it that way, but like because it's I'm completely because I'm I've been like I don't know I I'm very used to talking about like fingering when it comes to instruments and like you know <laughs> like the 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 gentle embouchure that you have to make and like that's a that's like a a topic that I'm familiar with talking about so I'm not like haha sex when I hear fingering you know <laughs> but like I can understand how I do. how it would feel that way but I yeah yeah we do I understand yes. For for us for us less educated uh, music people, that's I wouldn't went immediately to sex. Right, that's, right. that's problem, years think, in in marching band, but I can definitely understand that. Yeah, um, I I think I I, I think I would have almost preferred if they would have just gone all the way and had them have sex because <laughs> this whole flute scene just feels like Ridley fantastic. Ridley. Oh my god, this feels like Ridley Scott looking into the camera and going, hey. See what I did there? Oh, see that sexual innuendo? Oh, see, it's two people played by the same actor. It's it just like that's all the scene feels like. Get a room, you like, won. Oh, <laughs> you won. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 we can't we can't have gay people not. in Hollywood, so we're just gonna have someone have sex with themselves. <laughs> wow, true. Like, thanks. It's it's not it's not for the provoking enough to be like un- unnerving or or intriguing. It just feels like laughable and just like oh i'm gonna make this a little edgy and i just in the whole scheme of the movie i don't i don't see why this scene is so necessary one of the things i loved about you know alien the original movie is it almost feels like you're watching a documentary at times when you're observing these characters and so much of this movie just feels like it's played directly to the camera and it's like it's looking at the viewer and going hey Look at look at this thing. Look at this connection I just made. Look at the poem I just referenced. Look, it's philosophy. Oh, it's sexual innuendo. It just feels so over the top, and it tries to be so operatic, but it also tries to be very, uh, very sexual and very silly at times. It just this does not work at all for me. What what I think <clears throat> the reason that it really works for me and that I love this this scene and what it means really for the two androids is that like this is David trying to like test out Walter and see if he's like him and then eventually by the end of this scene he realizes that maybe or like by the end of the sequence really maybe not just the specific the the flute scene but by the end of the sequence he realizes like i am my own i i no one else is like me you know they have changed these things that have come after me that they are not as superior as i am you know, and he realizes that, okay, Walter is just, you know, he could have been my brother, as he calls him, um, in creation, but he just doesn't have that ability. They, the, the, the humans have neutered him. I, I have to do this on my own. And I think these scenes were the ones leading up to that realization. This was him thinking, okay, maybe I have someone else here that I can do this with. And then realizing, no, I am on my own. I have to do this on my own. 
Yeah, for me, those elements came through before. I feel like those characters had already kind of established that. And I wish it would have been done in just a more a subtle, better written way where we could just, you know, I, th- I feel like David understood upon glance that, okay, this is this is a lesser model and I'm going to show him my toys. I'm going to show him my all my, you know, the biology stuff. and I'm going to read it out that way rather than just have this very... Not necessarily like a fan service move, but it does feel a little a little Oscar baity where it's like, hey, look, we're gonna put them in the same room and they're gonna be facing each other, and we're not gonna cut. It's a great shot though. Camera back and forth, and they're gonna kiss. It's it's okay. I don't know. I thought this was. I I like this scene because it shows us the difference between two these two characters who are who are identical but are very different, and uh, the one thing that really uh, you can use to differentiate the two is that one is able to create. Uh, and that just, that means so much in this, you know, he can have original ideas. He can, like he said, he can like make a melody. He can, I don't know, he can invent lies. Um, and, and he can, fi- and he you know, figure out things that he want, wants to do. He can, ha- he can have his own wants. And that comes, that comes into play, uh, later in a really cool way. Uh, very subtle detail, but while David is attacking, um, Danny, David's attacking Danny, uh, uh, and Walter comes in to save her. He does the same thing that David's just done. Throw, he's just seen David throw Danny mm-hmm. against the wall, and he does the exact same thing to David because he can't create any fighting moves for himself. All mm-hmm. he can do is what he's learned. I know that's ahead in the movie, but I think <laughs> it's really important to think about that moment uh, when we talk about this scene because it's like that's the main difference, and I, that's another detail in this movie that I love that they really pay attention to. He also throws I would disagree because he. That's what's it. All I had to say okay, was he also I, throws him harder, uh, so he yeah, liked I, doing it better. This, yeah, this happens later on in the movie, so we'll talk about it more then. But I was going to say I disagree because uh, Walt or Walter has so many new moves and so many different techniques in the fighting. When when it's the one for one battle, when it's David versus Walter, like he, he's creating so many different techniques in that scene. But that's later. It's on. probably we'll, programmed. We'll move along in the movie here. What's that? It's probably programmed. That's the way that I I didn't pick up on what Logan did there with the throwing. I just kind of took it as like, okay, he's programmed to, you know, have fighting moves. He's an android. He can have whatever programmed. You know, I didn't really question that. Well, I I think ordinarily yeah. ordinarily I would have been like, mm, two people use the same move like literally in the same scene. But no, it's because he just saw it, and that's actually a really important plot point. So moving on, the neomorph shows up at the compound after all this David and Walter stuff. And we get some of the really, I think some of the most interesting scenes in the movie, uh, in typical horror movie fashion, never, never go into a room alone to, to get wet in any way, shape or form, because one of the characters <laughs> goes in there and gets her, gets her head gnawed off, um, that by the Neomorph who That's shows true up. true in all of that, in all of its meanings. Yes. <laughs> yes. Never, never, never go into a room alone and get wet. Not a good idea. Um, it's true though. You heard it here first. Thinking back to Psycho, just to, yeah, multiple times in this movie. Yeah, just never go into a room in a horror movie alone to get wet. Not a good idea. Um, But so she gets her head gnawed off, which is a a very gross, gross scene. Um, I love the way the Neomorph attacks here. But um, and and we get, you know, more of David's like evil mad scientist because, you know, this is like a Nosferatu mad scientist kind of blend of a story here. And. I don't know, I I love the way that this escalates to this point in the story. What about you guys? Yeah, I mean, I, I, minor yeah, minor problem here. I thought the CGI minor of the problem? Neomorph. Oh, sorry, minor problem. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> hold on. When it bites off the lady's head, it's just bad. I thought it looked like 
season one Stranger Things CGI level. <laughs> yeah, but I, I literally I said that during the movie. Yep. Yes, I do love the moment. I think we're here where um, Orum uh, tries to yeah uh, find where where the girl went right, and and uh, he shoots the creature. Yes, mm-hmm. and Fassbender lets out this scream. Like, which trusted me. I love that line. It oh, it's it's so good. And he starts. Talking yeah, about you're proving it, you're proving my points weird. for me. These are I don't have to fight you on these scenes. Yes. Oh my gosh, we're agreed. This is great. This is great. This this is such yeah that line when 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 Billy Crudup comes from behind him and you just see the way the the laser just kind of settles on the neomorph while mm. David is having this this interaction with it which we missed the scene where he cuts his hair to look identical to Walter so we should point <laughs> that out that he looks identical to Walter now which works for the plot um yeah and just no yeah this is great and and from here he's, he's like you know what you know what Orm I have a I have a special thing for you. I think that you are going to appreciate this. Um, so he takes away his neomorph and he gives him his uh, xenomorph, which is which is fun. Um, but okay, the the one thing you know in Prometheus, you know there was a couple things that I was like, okay, this kind of holds this movie back a little bit for me. The one thing within the Alien universe that I just really don't understand because of this movie now is the way the queens work because he just goes down into this basement and he's just got eggs. Maybe he. Yeah, manufactured I them i don't know maybe we'll I, I find don't know. out in another movie i that is an unanswered hopefully question i mean moving really, on with this movie with this movie this is the one that gives you issues with the life cycle we saw like 20 different life forms that are all no. mothers and they're all allegories for like both vaginas and penises there's so much unnecessary crap in this movie and i don't have a problem I, with it i'm just curious as to how we get to a queen from here Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. I, maybe he did manufacture. I mean, we know he had those. The they weren't exactly eggs in Prometheus, but they were like they looked a lot more. I don't know. They were like cylinders. Sleep. Yeah, they, these cylinders that so With maybe that's. In them. I don't know what he used. I don't know. Who can? No, no. It's just a logistical thing. When I saw this, I'm like, okay, this is cool that he has these this these eggs, but like, queen? Question mark. Where yeah. is where is where is Beyonce? Um, explain Beyonce better movie. Um, but I, I okay. So this is the stuff that I think that uh, Matt then doesn't like. But I love when he finally like coaxes him into looking into the egg, and that that scene. You know, we know what's coming, but I still think it's a very effective scare. Oh, There's a yeah. it, the the face hugger looks as good as ever. Yeah, I I don't mind this because. It makes sense that Orm would do this because he's a dumbass, yeah, as we, as we have established. <laughs> like, he's an idiot. And, you know, I like how we see the classic facehugger, but we see it, uh, you know, we don't just cut right after John Hurt gets it. We actually see it just, like, in all its brutal glory, and it's really disgusting. Um, so, no, no, I like this. Yeah, this is yeah. This, this is some great stuff in this movie. And, again, this is the, the middle sequence. This the is all going hunter. on. The, the face humper, I literally have that in my nose. Um, it was cool to see yeah. it again, to see where I mean, it came from. Yeah, and the the, the conversation between Orem and and David before before he gets the face hugger really is the, the crux of David's character. When when he asks him, "What do you believe in?" He just says, "Creation," and I True. love that. And and as we had pointed out earlier, he can create. He is this android that will live forever as long as he doesn't like die like Ash or you know Bishop. Um, become a cum man 
yeah, you know, he, he can realistically live forever if he stays quote-unquote healthy. Um, he has the ability to create. He has, you know, I'm assuming some form of computer in his brain that he can store all this knowledge. Like, he is... He, he kind of is the perfect organism, except he's not an organism, you know what I'm saying? Like, he okay. is kind of this, like, perfect thing, and he can create. So I think that it, it, this scene really gets you into David's psyche even more, which, again, you know, I think maybe I, I liked... I like David so much in Prometheus and why I said that to you, Logan was like, okay, does this make Prometheus better for you? Like it does for me because it gives, it, it shows you this starting point for David to where we get to in this movie, mm. you know, and because He's... you say you can just skip Prometheus. You can't skip Prometheus because of David's character. You would not understand how he gets to this point, especially with his relationship with Wayland to this up until this point in this movie. Like, yes, you have that first scene, but you, you do not get anywhere the scope that you do from Prometheus to Covenant. I guess that's fair. His, yeah. his whole deal with, like, his entire room dedicated to it, at, like, as... I, something that I thought was really cool uh, was, like, just the diagrams on his wall, like, of a face hugger. Like, as yeah. soon as they're walking down that hallway... It's weird to see, to, isn't it? It is weird to, like, see, like the, like, the actual creation and stuff, but, like, there's, like, he has these sketches, like, these big, like, they're, they're almost, like, posters, but, like, uh, diagrams of, like, the face huggers on the wall, and, like, as they're walking into that room, you can see them hanging up there, and it's, like, foreshadowing, and it, I, like, I was, I don't know, I just thought it was cool, because I was, like, I know what's coming, um, but, yeah. I don't know. I thought that was well, like... he, he basically just pulls out his scrapbook of his favorite Giger paintings. Yeah, basically. <laughs> which is cool. I was like, look at all these different which Giger. Which is cool. Which, which is cool to like see it so explicitly on screen when it's, you know, the inspiration for everything in the movie. Yeah. Um something uh, what I what I want to one of my complaints here. Now with uh, just in general in the scope of this movie in terms of Danny's character. I said earlier that I feel like Danny's character gets completely lost in the mm-hmm. middle of this movie. And, like, I just feel these past couple scenes don't involve her at all. And the extent of what she does is I think she um, works with the communication system, you know, trying to trying to get the, the signal back and forth, but just really plays no role. And, look, th- this would have worked. I'm surprised they didn't do this. I would have thought that they would have gone to emulate Alien's uh, story structure more and start off with who is going to be the protagonist type deal and then kind of have Danny uh, emerge, emerge yeah. in the end. But they don't do that because from the very beginning of the movie, they say, you should care about her. And this is really important and you should feel sad for her. But then they just lose her in the middle. So that's why for me, it just feels like a beginning mm. and an end for her character, but nothing in the middle. Interesting. I'm not going to fight yeah, you on I, that. I, that I, I, yeah, I'm not going to fight you on that. I, I agree. One of, the, one of the weaknesses of both uh, – the, the weakness of these alien prequel movies is that their protagonists – aren't as interesting as their supporting character like that True. that shaw and danny aren't as interesting as david, as david. and they're also much yeah. less interesting than ripley which is the character who was the head before so we have this amazing character as our like likes. expectation point and when someone doesn't love doesn't live up to ripley they really don't live up to ripley mm-hmm. yes yeah. which you know and, and i don't blame this on katherine watterson she's fine in this movie she's good in this movie but yeah, it's not her yeah, fault. Yeah, no, she, she's fine. It's just forgettable. Yeah. And, but she's a great actress, inherent vibes. Yes. You know, Which, weird career path for her, going from, like, this, like, like almost embodiment of, like, sexual appeal in inherent vice to, like, being this tomboy here and in Fantastic Beasts, which is weird. Like, kind of... Yeah, so and then playing the single mom in the 90s. Yeah, it's just, and, it, I, she's very good. Yeah, no, she's great, and she does a lot of different things. It's just she's had a very weird career path in Hollywood. 
Um, but yeah, so the Xeno comes back, you know, it, it's, it's back for good. And I, I love the, so what I'm going to call the third act here is the first Xeno. I really like the first Xeno. I think the first Xeno is really cool. Um, we get that great visceral fight that you were talking about, uh, Logan between Danny and David, which is I, fantastic. And I oh, absolutely I wanted love it. To, I wanted to first talk about Orem's death scene. I'll go for it. I, I love this scene. I have oh, one issue oh, with it. Oh, you're right. I had it I had it mixed up. I was just thinking there was the face hugger, the face hugger comes off, and then they have the creation talk, right? Yeah. No, this yeah, is yeah. this is I think this is a great scene, and I have one issue with it, and it's just that Orm took about two seconds for the thing to gestate and hatch, and Ripley yep. and Alien Cubed has an entire movie. Uh yeah. which is just weird. It yep. doesn't make sense. I the see gestation that. Gestation more... cycle we have never dude, we the gestation cycle. In, I see that in more of an issue with in Alien all of them. Makes no sense. Yeah, yeah, I see that more more as an issue with uh, Alien Three than I do with Alien Covenant. But I, I think most things are issues in Alien Three. But we'll move on. <laughs> I, I think that Orem's death is it's weirdly scored, um, and most times I would have been like, oh, "What are you doing? Why would you score it like this?" But I think there's definitely a point to it. It's and it's kind of a beautiful scene. I mean, it's beautiful music. It's I mean, it's mm-hmm. the creation yep. of life and this thing standing up that David has tried so hard to uh, to create. And it's it just calls back to the theme in Alien of the androids calling these xenomorphs the perfect organisms. And, you know, they envy them. They, they you know, kind of worship them in a way. And I think th- for that reason, like, it just... This scene feels a little off in the best way possible. Because this music, it's... It, it it's not scary like ooh, now now it's a chest bursting this is supposed to be gross but it's just uh it's it's the creation of life like david said he believes in creation and this is what he believes in coming true and i uh you know it, it's the kind of thing where for a villain to be believable you've got to see where he's coming from uh i i think that's definitely true here yeah i think you're completely correct i i, I do like the tension you know this very grandiose uplifting music and then this very terrible act i just do think it's so goofy when when little baby alien thing stands up and then david stands up at the same time like they're just so like there are many instances in this movie where they're like very clearly going for a campy feel you know and it just i i don't know if that was necessarily the intent here i don't think it was but it just it comes across as such and it just feels like really goofy to me and always makes me laugh Hmm. That's fair. I disagree. I like the moment, yeah. but yeah, again, those are one of the things that agree to disagree. You know, you're not going to be able to parse that out. Um, then, you know, after this yeah. scene, David. Oh, sorry. go ahead. I was just going to say, like the, the scene then when the the alien grows up and we are going through all of the different like the Giger things that you said, the paintings, and then also she just she discovers that Shaw was killed by David and then at the same time you got the xenomorph going around and attacking this is this is the kind of stuff that has a sense of place unlike alien 3 <laughs> got to find another way to stab alien 3 in there um but go ahead, go ahead with what you were going to say Logan well the scene where uh David is playing the flute and he plays the theme from Prometheus <laughs> yeah that's so, uh, did so Matt and Ryan did this I remind you of anything that up. i didn't even pick that up but yes, no, of course. Oh, you're completely correct. Yeah, from from back in style. Yeah. No, yeah, you're not wrong for sure. Yes, and and we we in, we in fact get another reference 
to Twin Peaks with uh, uh, the Purse Bryce Shelley poem. <laughs> yes, that's right. Yeah. Mm, I am yes. Ozymandias. <laughs> Lots of Watchmen references. Oh man, don't don't you love the moment though when he when Walter calls out David for having the wrong information on Ozymandias? <sighs> it's so mm. silly though. Oh because come on! Have, it, like it it makes me laugh out loud. This is the thing. Like I know like I'm not gonna. We can't really debate this because this is just how I've received the movie and you've received it a different way. Mm. But it's this slow zoom in, and he goes, "Not Byron." No, who he says, "Who wrote it?" Byron. No, Shelley. And then he gives the, you know, one note in symphony can make it all sound wrong. But it's just, like, comical. It makes me laugh because it's just, it's the same person. They're looking at each other. I get no sense of suspense. It's just, like, funny, but in the wrong way. I don't know I if, I don't know if this was just me being annoying or if anyone else felt like this. But, like, did anyone else get a sense of pride from knowing that it wasn't Byron and it was Mary Shelley? No, I didn't know that. I, I like, I, he said Byron and I was like, that's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> and and then well, yeah, he said it later yeah. uh, and then he was like it's Mary Shelley and I was like oh okay so that, there was a reason behind him saying it wrong <laughs> uh, you <laughs> know what I just like the screenwriters were just fucking wrong on that yeah I don't know that's why I was like at that point I was just like they might as well just not know who actually wrote Ozymandias <laughs> and I was like whatever whatever I mean at, at least at least David got Wagner right yeah exactly true i i have to admit that i i don't know classic lit very well so it wasn't it w- no. to to follow up it, it was percy by shelley not mary shelley yeah yeah, yeah. Oh. although there are many frankenstein references in this movie. yes that many things uh many things references like in this having movie, a why castle by um, himself to create life exactly kind of fun. um yeah no it, yeah it is it is a weird mix of like frankenstein and nosferatu isn't it like the way he, the yeah, way David's character a bit. is. Um, it's, it's also like a little Dracula with him like playing like the gracious host. Well, that's what I'm of. saying. Nosferatu is a is a direct ripoff. No, of I know Dracula. Yeah. But I Alien just... Covenant. Yeah, Alien Covenant. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um, aliens. So I love. So I, I'm assuming this is the stuff that you also like, Brendan, too, because you you said that this is where it clicked in. The, the the xenomorph stuff when it's attacking like you know yes. uh damien shazir's face gets half melted you know all that kind of stuff by the the face hugger i think this is some great like action of the opera yeah i thought it was cool to <laughs> that was it didn't peg you for a fan of musicals yeah <laughs> i was like oh i guess phantom is still relevant in 100 years that's cool I was like i'm pretty glad timeless. that glad that andrew lloyd weber has survived for 100 more years uh yep. Yeah, no, I, I did like that part. I, I thought it was cool to kind of get back to the roots. And obviously, you know, I'm all about tying together the prequels to the original series. So seeing yeah. where they came from was cool. Yeah, I always, it, I always appreciate when they actually use the acid blood. It was very cool. Yes. It was, yeah. It was really neat to see that. I, I liked what was happening in that scene. And then and the healing. Sort of, yeah, and then I sort of forgot that, that acid blood was, you know, a thing in in this and then i was like oh shoot that's gonna cause problems which is always nice it's nice to nice to have consequences for things that they say so that's cool yeah and and i think yeah well i was just gonna say that i love how we we escalate from there to the walter versus david fight which is an amazing Mm -hmm. fight too great shot Uh, that's cool super well shot I, i love the way the action works um like, if I and can't I love have the way... Michael Fassbender having sex with himself, then I will take him fighting himself. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, but also at the same time, the Xeno gets on top of the lander, or the cargo thing. And so this is this is what I've been waiting for in this series. 
we get to just see the Xeno in daylight in its full glory. You finally get to see the Xeno, you know, just banging its head trying to get into Danny McBride, flying all around this ship. I love this moment, and I love the way that this is a false climax as well, as we'll get to later. Mm-hmm. This is the worst part of the movie. Damn it. Yes. Uh, I thought... And here's why. Mm. The aliens on the bottom of the ship... Uh, we've had this theme the whole time about, you know, you don't open doors about the, uh, around the alien. Even if you just want to like go in and shoot it, you don't open doors cause mm. then it's going to get out or it's going to get in. Um, and this is the dumbest, most unnecessary thing. Okay. Aliens die when they're sucked out of the vacuum or when they're, you know, in just in the cold vacuum of space, whatever. Uh, uh, and false climax. Yeah, and, and this is a false climax, but what happens is, to, to explain uh, why, why I completely lost my train of thought, is that on the Skype call, Brendan typed the message false climax, and then it appeared over his face, uh, and distracting all of us. I forgot and, it. So that, yeah, it displays over your face. You forgot about that. I so, forgot it did that. That's so amazing. That was, yeah. that was really something wonderful. You labored yourself um, a false climax. But, and... And she's like, open the door. Okay, I want to get out. I'm going to go out and kill it. It makes no fucking sense. Fly yeah, into space. Maybe maybe it'll even fall off before you even get into the atmosphere. Or maybe you just get into space and then... I mean, they're leaving anyway, right? They're not waiting for anyone else at this point, I don't think. Walter. They're leaving. No, he's already on. Oh, is he already well, on Well, they think point? he is. Yeah, he hands her the axe. Yes. Oh, okay. No, no, no. They, okay, so they think he's on, but he's not really. Here's the, here's right, the thing, Logan. How, first of all, how would they know that it wouldn't survive in space? Second of all, it is currently trying to break through the glass. This is an immediate problem. You can't just fly away. No, what, not at the time that it was down. Not like they could have. Yeah, it, it was like on the bottom of the ship. It didn't start crawling around to the front and start smashing its head on the thing until... Uh, I, I keep forgetting Danny her name. Yeah, out. until Danny, Danny came out and was, like, shooting at it and, hmm. and agitated yeah, it. And this is an entirely... Yeah. It, it is a false climax, but it's also a completely unnecessary climax. They could have avoided the entire situation. Also, even even if they wouldn't have known that it would die in space, like, you could have tried that. You know, it, yeah, it's they, a reasonable guess something. to be, like, this living if, organism If this would, thing would just came after you, killed two of your friends, or damp- killed two of your friends and badly injured another one... Like, yeah, you, you want to get rid of this thing right away. You don't just be like, oh, well, let's sure. see what happens By when we fly into space. space. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I think know. that, I, yeah, like, I like... It, you see it kill two of your friends. You want to, like, kill it. But, like, it's a very, like, weird train of thought to me to be like, it's like, you know what would solve this? A gun instead of just flying into space and like staying inside the ship. Like I feel like after seeing what the alien can do, it, it, it begs the question more of just being like, don't go out and fight it. Just fly into space and it'll go away. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. Maybe like I feel like they could have done something more with that, but maybe that's just me projecting. Ignoring your problem doesn't make it go away, guys. Come on. Well, no, but, but throwing going, it into going the vacuum into an of space. environment when it's gonna die <laughs> does make it go away. So. Yeah, <laughs> if I could choose I, I, yeah. between, I don't know. Shooting I guess it's agree to disagree as usual, but yeah. I think I think it works. It, this is one of my. Yeah. This was just a problem where, you know, as I said, most of the movie, I I don't have very big issues with it, but this is just a moment where I was so furious at them. And again, <laughs> most of the time, I'm not like, "Wow, you idiot! Wow, how could you look into the egg?" Because 
you know, there's a certain there, there's a certain level of of kind of just suspension of disbelief. Like, yeah, these people are going to be dumb because it's a movie. Um, but this just far surpassed that. And I was like, how could you possibly think that this is a, a better alternative? But anyway, yeah. that's yeah, it's all those reasons stated. And then also for me, it just felt like a bad action sequence out of like a, a crappy Die Hard sequel, like Die Hard 5 or something. Like when she's swinging over the side and shooting at the same time at the alien. Wow. It's like, this is just so over the top. Is that Die Hard with and... a Vengeance or Good Day to Die Hard? Yeah, either, either one of those. I think one of them he's swinging in on a helicopter. But And then it's just coupled <laughs> by the fact that I don't, I don't care about Danny at all. But yes. I liked it. Moving on to the ending of this movie. Well, okay, here's, here's a couple things. So... I like that. I like the action scene. It's cool. I'm going to be the only one that says that, I guess. Um, but like like a lot of these alien movies, I love that this movie has a fourth act. And what I really like about this fourth act, um, and, and by the ending of it, it is that I just want to bring this up. Two things before we get to the actual fourth climb, uh, fourth act. is like, I love that this movie being about David and having this extra ending be really David fucking with them is proves to me that these movies are the best when it's not about the xenomorphs that the original alien and aliens are about yes are about the corporation Fair. using the alien and then here with this movie and prometheus it's about david using the alien the alien is why it makes no point. fucking sense to have the alien pov here again yeah. yes the alien okay. pov what okay. is that That's Still hate we'll get to that i i i like it this time and i liked it in alien 3 um but it's one of the only things I said positive about Alien 3. I thought it was a cool idea. Um, but I think what I like about these two movies and why I don't like... Re- well, and that's this is why I don't like Alien 3. Why Alien 3 is, fails on so many levels is that it's all about the Xeno. No. No, it's not. Even in Alien Resurrection. even They, they even understood that in Alien Resurrection. That it's not about the Xeno. Um, the Xeno is just a byproduct. It's just an animal that is going to hunt and kill. Cool. Here we go. Here's a big discussion I wanted to have. What were you? What were your guys' thoughts on having Walter or David Walter? You know, David pretend to be Walter. Did it work for you? Did you think it was actually Walter? Like you, you had to know that it was David, right? As soon yeah. as he cut his hair, I was like, okay, this is gonna be a thing later. Was where he pretends to be Walter, and they hadn't done it yet, so I was like, all right, so they're gonna do it at the ending. Kind of predictable. Yeah, you see, you see the knife slash on his face, and you know that um. Uh, Walter was holding the knife and you know it wouldn't make sense for Walter to have the knife slash on his face I uh, I think that this ending is very effective though not the false climax but I'm talking about the very very ending the, the fourth we'll act we'll get to it a little bit later yes so I, I think I think the switch although it's a little predictable I think is really good because as we said this movie is at its best when it centers on Fassbender um yeah and it was a little predictable for me but I I sort of appreciated that because I could pick up on the little things like uh, the fact that he cut off his own hand just mm-hmm. to be able to play this part and that he really committed to the bit. Uh, and Get this man on Stopway. Oh, right. yes. There are some really good... Ki- yeah, go check out uh, episode Fassbender, 17, The People he, Be Gritty. He, yes, handed Walter's really well. Yeah, and uh, just... Yeah, just the ways that he... You know, he, he had paid attention to Walter and he was able to mimic him so well. Of course... Until that very effective ending, uh, which is really cool. But yeah, I I, yes. I saw it coming, but I I appreciated it. You know, I wasn't just like, ugh, predictable, boring. I thought it was actually, it's actually interesting, even if you do know the twist. What I actually True. love about it was that I, the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh, this is easy and predictable. 
what I what I appreciated more this time, learning this before seeing the movie again, was that it was supposed to be intentional. Ridley Scott wanted you to know that this was the twist coming, and he wanted to fuck with you during the entire time of having um, Walter sit at that computer, knowing that you're just waiting for the shoe to drop, that this is yeah. actually David. And he doesn't until that very last scene with, with Danny. Like, you think, you, you like, during the entire time, like, oh my god, that's David, he's gonna find a way to trap them and kill them and have the Xeno kill him. But he doesn't, and he just keeps letting it go. And this is why I'm saying, like, Ridley Scott is still on top of this his A game here. He knows exactly how to play the audience like a fiddle. And I I have to say, I love the fourth act of this movie. It, this is when everything's going down, you see the wreckage of Lope getting um, you know, getting chest bursted. I I just get so pumped through full of adrenaline. In my notes, I have here we go in all caps. I just immediately put underneath it, I love these movies. Like it, it, this is like some of the peak alien stuff for me. I love the shot when Danny McBride's Tennessee uh, is like down that long hallway with the white light at the bottom of it. And he holds out the gun for Danny and Danny comes and grabs the gun. Like Mm -hmm. the way this thing just builds and builds and builds. Oh, I love it. I'm so glad that Danny McBride was alive for this section. It's so great. I love the Xenovision. Unlike you guys. And then the amazing final climactic battle within the med or within the, uh, the docking bay. I, I just love the last part of this movie. The the gravity yeah, rules I, still really irk me, but I don't know. This okay. Mr. Science Man, get, always getting wrapped up in the science. It's just, it's just like common sense at this point. Even if you're going with the rules of the alien universe, then it still doesn't make sense. I don't know. They, no, I, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I, no, no one in science fiction ever i feel well, like the guess. rules of the original alien is that you you push an alien suit out of the the escape pod at the end of alien and apparently the alien will just fall so i, right. I mean and, the gravity's and, never uh, been great in this series yeah and all you have to do when you you know have a hole leading to the immense vacuum of space is you just have to hold on to something and then you'll be fine <laughs> yeah it's fine you wouldn't get it's, sucked it's down a movie. Limb from limb it's a fine. movie who cares yeah so whatever yeah, I mean, unlike you, Floyd, I really just wanted this movie to be over. So the false climax was just like grating for me, and like none of the the goriness and of uh, Lopes, of uh, you know, seeing the wreckage from Lopes' body was like okay. I've seen this a gazillion times in this movie, but I will say, probably my favorite moment in this entire movie, one of the only redeeming parts of this movie, is the fantastic moment when you have, um, uh, David disguises Walter. Uh, looking on the cameras and he's shutting off the doors right he's there he's uh trying to trap the alien or whatever and the alien comes up and looks at the oh, cameras yes. and you see david has this look of oh my creature my baby mm-hmm. and the alien just smashes the camera because yeah. it's an animal and you see this look on david's face like oh oh i that that wasn't supposed to happen and i love how that's like a little like sir these these aliens take no prisoners. Like, the, you are no father to them. Although you may technically be, you are going to get slaughtered like everyone mm-hmm. else does in this universe. They do not care. They hold absolutely uh, no allegiances to anyone. And I love how that's just a little crack in his plan. You know, although it doesn't really shake up his whole worldview, you know, as we've seen at the end. Like, it's just like a, yeah, this is not going to end well for you, bud. <laughs> yeah. And I love that moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one other one other moment that I forgot to mention um, that I love in this movie that you reminded me with the uh, the retractable jaw was the uh, the sex scene in the shower and the way that dude there were some 
Ridley Scott got some sleazy shots in there when that tail goes up behind them like it's the leg shots and it, that's just sleazy and gross but then thank god that fucking loser got killed fuck yeah that and then guy. and then jussie smollett gets um d- like triple mouth like the double mouth goes through his you mouth you get what you fucking deserve jussie yeah. smollett that was jesus that Absolutely was a pretty that was a pretty great pretty great kill like removed from the fact that it was jussie smollett it was a, it was a pretty great kill regardless. It's cathartic. Of that too. It's like watching Kevin Spacey die in Baby Driver. It's like good. Yeah, this is nice. Yeah, except he's supposed to be heroic in Baby Driver when he dies. That's besides the point. Um, but no, that's that. It was just it was a sleazy thing for for um, Ridley Scott to throw in there, and I really I really enjoyed it. And it all like I said, all of this fourth act is just amazing. Um, I mean, it's it's classic Alien because at the end of Alien. Ridley Scott, actually, so the beginning and the end of Alien, the beginning when everybody wakes up in the, the pods in Alien, Scott wanted all of them to be naked because he wanted to enhance this fear of, you know, and the whole sexual violation aspect. And at the, at the, end, the end of the movie, he wanted uh, Ripley to be naked. And and I trust Scott I, because he's a really good filmmaker. I don't think he, this was intended for sexist or, you know, a sleazy, leering purpose. But he genuinely said he wanted to ramp up this feeling of you are so hopeless. So he kind of gets it here because the Alien has always been scary. But when you're naked in the shower, like that, like ooh, like Psycho. I feel that, like I, like <laughs> ooh, like that, you feel so vulnerable, you know. Yeah, yeah we didn't no, even talk I about. I mean, like the shower, obviously, like don't go into a room by yourself and get wet. Uh, and the the, the shower is included in that. Um, because you know you could slip on the ground, and we didn't even talk before about the scene where they slip on the blood on the floor. Oh, like three yeah. times. That's I cool, like it. though. It's cool. It, no, because it loses its effect after the first, like, couple times. Yeah. It's like, stop rehashing it, we know. I slipped yeah. on three banana peels in a row. <laughs> anyway. I know, it feels like an old cartoon. Anyway, moving on. So so they finally get rid of the alien, which, again, isn't the point. It's not the point of the movie. Right. That they got rid of the alien. Yep. That's not the, that's not the end of the movie. Um, I, I love the ending, though, when they do get it. But when they're all going to go lay back down and... He, Dude, some of these lines by David saying "You're next, Captain," also saying "I'll tuck in the children after that." After that reveal, uh, just ugh. everything in this in this scene of, of David revealing himself. Oof, <laughs> it's just it's so great. I mean, and it's then brilliant. and then beyond that, when he pl- puts on the music and walks in oh. and just has throws up the alien embryos, puts them in, and just have the has these two thousand um colonists to experiment on also i love how it calls back to the original alien but twists it because this is the empire strikes back of the trilogy where it doesn't end well um mm-hmm. that he is the one he is faking a log to say that everything's fine so that he can continue to have his experiments i love the way like i said i love the way that this movie is different from alien while still being a classic fun alien movie and also a continuation of prometheus i think this is this is the moment where like it all coalesces together yeah. do you think after the movie that he kills her oh yeah that, they're both gonna be dead at the beginning of the next movie that he like i i i my guess is that he'll probably just like jettison their bodies out into space or something maybe no but no because in the, in the log it said that they survived so he's gonna have to have something else happen. Well, he could make up some some other yeah. thing about the solar flares came back. Yeah, I was we gonna lost say, them. Why would but... he say that? That's stupid. Well, <laughs> here's the thing. So, I don't, do you guys have anything else to say about this ending? No, I don't no. think so. 
Okay. So it's I very, like it, but I wish I wouldn't have to. Wa- yes, it's effective. And I like it, but I wish I wouldn't have to watch through two hours of garbage to get to That's it. That's fair. But to continue. Okay, forward. so I'm assuming that Max, we're getting one more movie, which do- we're not. We I don't think we are. We're not promised another movie because Disney bought it. Apparently, it's in the script phrase. We'll never know. We we may never get the sequel to this movie, which would be very frustrating to leave this series off here. Like even if you don't like this movie, Matt. You can't be happy with this being the end of the 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 prequel series. I I really don't want any more movies to be okay. honest. Like <laughs> I I feel like Scott has lost his touch. That I I really wouldn't want. But I don't know if you guys. The recent news is that David Geiler and Walter Hill recently you know released. Uh, I'm probably stealing your points here, yeah. but they released a photo of a script treatment they have for this new movie, which they are uh, trying to bring Ripley back um in in reprising her role as ripley we don't know whether it'd be clone or or not and uh, it's just like a photo of the front page of the script and there's all these very interesting vague quotes about dreams and there's like a poe quote and then there's a quote that says uh war is hell maybe alien 3 was just a dream oh i hope so please so essentially so people are wondering are are they are they ta- are they reckoning three and four and just starting off right after aliens? Oh my God. Like like so like um it, what it may happen. What uh Bloom Camp wanted to do, yeah, Alien Awakening. Yes. But, but I, I was just gonna. I s- would prefer a Ridley Scott prequel to bringing Ripley back. Ripley should not come back. I, I think it'd be a terrible idea. Continue. Well, okay, you kind of stole my thunder a little bit because I was gonna say, to 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 get one more movie. I really I know Logan. You had said before recording that you want another movie really badly. So do I because this. This doesn't line up with Alien very well, and the point of having prequels in the first point is to somewhat line up with the first movie. We are so far away from the first movie at this point, we need another movie on top. On top of that, engineers have to come back. We didn't really talk about that scene where he wipes out the engineers, which was an amazing scene. Um, But an engineer has to come back, because think about the original Alien. There is an engineer in the suit that had a chestburster that has all those eggs. So we have to get back to that point. Um, And also we have to resolve everything with David. I was going to say, on top of that, apparently, Disney's just like, nah, let's just go back to Ripley, you know? Let's just let's just go back to Ripley. And, so dumb. Which, That's such a Palpatine move. That is such a no, fucking it's Palpatine move. So, here's a, such a Palpatine here's move. Here's the thing, though. I am okay with it if they're getting rid of Alien 3 and Alien 4. If they're Terminator, Terminator Dark Fading this and retconning Alien 3, I am all for it. Remake Alien 3. Go for it. I don't care. Do it. Please. That's so tacky though no it's so not because alien like, 3 sucks oh it, it how is sigourney weaver is. doing these days what's she up to because what's sigourney weaver to? doesn't want to do these roles she's continually said i don't want to do this unless it's something that's very intriguing and but it could be. the photo just seems like let's drum up twitter support because sigourney weaver do doesn't it. want to do it so we're gonna have to like get a lot of support that we can convince her to do it she's 70 don't make her do this she's 70 years old it could be a she great She doesn't movie. care. She's doing other stuff. It's not like she's got so many other roles that people don't talk about that are so good. Like just let her live her life. She's doing the stuff with the Avatar movies. Just say, yeah, you know like Avatar 2. When's that coming out? Didn't she didn't she die in Avatar? Oh. Oh, uh, I don't know. I thought it's been a while since I've seen I it. Have I have not seen all of Avatar. She die? I don't but know. Maybe spoilers for that. So, I don't maybe, know. Maybe spoilers for Avatar. Is it spoilers? Question maybe just mark? Don't I think say she does. It in case it's true. I don't know. That's an 11-year-old movie. I don't care at this point. Everyone's seen Maybe Avatar. You it was watch the it highest before grossing you go movie to Avatar of all time. Land in Disney World. If you want to go to Pandora in Disney World in Animal Kingdom to their mm. half-day park and experience the Pongu Pongu and, you know, Jeez, Rise we of re- Passage. We've really shit on Animal Kingdom a lot in these past two podcasts. We <laughs> you know talked... what? It deserves it. 
We talked bad about it at um on stop. Fix the Yeti. Fix Disco Yeti. Then Fix I will be satiated. Yeti. Anyway, the reason the reason I'm okay with with uh with spoiling Avatar is that it's an 11 year old movie, by the way, that was the highest grossing movie of all time yeah. and basically made the exact same amount of money as Avengers Endgame 11 years before, which means that a lot more people saw that. Everyone's seen Avatar. And I don't even know if I actually spoil it or not. But, guys, <laughs> Alien Covenant, final thoughts and ratings. Brendan. Yeah, so, um, obviously, the way that this movie started out, I wasn't a fan of. I thought that it was just kind of dumb and frustrating for a lot of it. Um, I think it did turn it around once I brought in David. I think he makes a really compelling villain. Uh, I was really pleased with finding out the origins of the alien and, like, how his, he did all these experiments. Uh, and, you know, like, it, there's always been, like, a part of humanity and, like, uh, in the alien. And that's something that, like, we've always known from the very first alien movie. So to see, like, where it came from and, and see, like, uh, ostensibly the first xenomorph, um, you know, I, I just thought that it was a really, like cool experience later on uh, but definitely still has its problems like i talked about before uh man you know i've just been bouncing around with what i want to give this movie i think you know it was better than prometheus um i but it still has so many problems i guess let's see plus maybe i think that sounds fair uh, i'm gonna go with c plus yeah I've stated it many times throughout this podcast. I really dislike this movie. Um, I, I think, um, as we'll get into with the final ratings, this is way down there at the bottom. Uh, maybe not quite the the very bottom, but very close to it in terms of all the Alien movies. I think this movie is just an absolute slog to get through. It pains me every time. Um, I just have no desire to rewatch it. I find it very boring. I think Scott... Although he still somewhat retains his touch for great visuals at times in this movie, has completely lost it with getting a good script and creating compelling characters. Because absolutely no one in this script, with the exception of Michael Fassbender, because he's great in this one, and Prometheus, uh, none of these characters are compelling. None of them I want to figure out more about or see more movies with. Which is, it's almost sad that, like, when we discuss the next movie, I'm like, no, I want new characters because these are so bad, with the exception of the Fassbender. Um, I stated before that I think that uh, Danny's character just gets lost in the middle and they don't do anything interesting with her. Although Ripley is a very high mark, you know, to hold her to, uh, not even using that standard, I still think she's a poorly written and just terrible character. Um, I just find the visuals in this movie to be pretty lackluster. I think the action scenes are poorly shot. It, I understand that they're trying to go for a different a different kind of uh, view of the alien where it's a lot more frenetic and chaotic and stuff is happening. But it just, for me, it's not suspenseful at all. It's not interesting and it's over the top and the gore does not translate into uh, any sort of palpable dread because bigger is not always better. Um I, I, I talked to the score I just find is very derivative of the first one. I don't think, you know, maybe with the exception of the Oram death scene, if there's anything that original or interesting, it, it's very saddening to see, uh, you know, this movie come out just cause I feel like much of it is just very reactionary. And I understand they have to address some of the fan criticisms, but so much of it felt like, let's just rehash alien, uh, beat for beat and expand it and try to dabble in these philosophical ideas but i don't think they come across and i think that paired with the really intense uh, out of place action and the somewhat cheesy and campy uh moments in this movie just none of it meshes together well for me uh, uh this this is this is a d plus for me 
Wow. Um, you know, I, I think I've said basically all I need to say about this movie. Uh, it's, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed it. And uh, the fact that th- there are issues, uh, there there are certainly issues with it. And uh, I can see how it would be a, a, a little bit like heavy handed at times in terms of the, the theming that it's trying to get across. Um, but really, I think what it comes down to for me is this just worked for me. Uh, whatever reason, you know, I, I, I actually really liked the pacing. Um, I liked the characters. I think Fassbender is an amazing villain. And I would I would really love to see more of him going forward. Um, I think this, you know, the fact that I, I had a really strongly positive reaction at first. And then, um, you know, once we once we get going and uh, put a little bit a little bit of a, a closer, you know, uh, uh, magnifying glass to it. It, I, I see, I see that there are issues. Um, but the fact that I was able to have that, that initial experience, you know, that's, that's good for something. Um, I, I think that means that it's a, this is like a B plus movie for me. Um, very good. I can see the issues with it, but, uh, overall I'm, I feel very positively towards this. Uh, Yeah. So I didn't think that I was like going into this recording, like even back on our Prometheus episode, I was like, I don't think anyone's going to be defending Covenant the way I was defending Prometheus. And surprise, I'm defending Covenant the way I defended Prometheus. Um, I think this is a great continuation of both series, of both the Alien series and the Prometheus series. I think this is the like the perfect blend of those two those two franchises. The way I I kind of see it, just having the the amazing um the horror aspect of of the alien series and also the philosophy of the prometheus um storyline of everything with david um i think there's great gore i think there's great horror in this movie i think there's an also a great continuation of the philosophical ideas that are presented um in prometheus and i think they are they are move forward in a way that i i really enjoy watching i really would like to see um them get to finish that up but also um you know david as a character himself like as you said guy said as a villain he's very good um there there is some problem with you know having danny not be the strongest character and kind of losing herself halfway through the movie which is fine danny. you know having having david be really the crux of the movie really works for me and having him be the through line that i really latch onto in these two movies which is i think the reason that i love these two movies so much is cuz i love david so much um the action is really great in this movie and then also um, like like Logan said, I think the, the pacing in this movie is really, really fantastic. I'm always interested in something that's going on, on screen for the entirety of the two hours. I, I would have loved to have those scenes in there, but, you know, it is what it is. We didn't have to have them. Um, yeah, the action's great. The ending's great. Um, everything about this movie's great. I love it. It's another A for me, and I think that these, um, these alien prequel movies, uh, I know that it's an unpopular opinion for me, but I think they are... Um, they're up there with the original two movies for me. I think all four of these movies are fantastic. So, uh, you know, as we like to do, guys, let's uh, let's go ahead and give them our rankings. Uh, I'll go first since I have my list ready to go. I don't know if you guys do. Um, as So as we always do at the end of these series, uh, we'll give you our rankings for the, uh, for the series. I'm going to start at the worst and go to the best because that's how I like to do it. So coming in dead last for me is Alien 3. I, I just don't like the way it makes messages um, with... Uh, the metaphors of the first two movie movies and then also i don't like what it does to ripley as a character coming in fifth for me is alien resurrection you know it's just a goofy space movie that doesn't really fit with the rest of the franchise ripley eight i believe is just it's just a strange character um these next three movies prometheus alien covenant and alien 
I love all three of them. They're all three of Ridley Scott's movies in this series. Um, I think they all bring different things to the table. For me, coming in fourth is Prometheus, um, a really great movie about creation that's kind of separated from the Alien series. Uh, coming in third, then, is Alien Covenant for me, a, a great blend of the two franchises. I'm going to give second to the original Alien, even though, like I said, all three of these movies, I think, are pretty much equal for me. Um, great, isolated horror film. Um, super well-made, super revolutionary for a sci-fi horror movie. You know, it, it, it has its place in... It, it is the most significant of the three, by far. Like, no no doubt, most significant of the three. Um, and then coming in second, like I said, is the original Alien. Great movie. And then first, no doubt, Aliens. Uh, one of my favorite action movies of all time. And I think it's just, I think it's a, a damn near perfect movie. Yeah, uh, I think we have pretty similar list here. But um, number seven, I have to go Alien Isolation. Uh, you know, I, I, it's just way too long, too boring. Uh, I put it up on the screen <laughs> and I didn't do anything. And the character just stood there the entire time. I, I, I didn't get it at all. Um, no, I'm joking. Go listen to, I might play that. Um, hey. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, sixth place. Yeah, we actually have super similar list. Um, sixth place uh, for all the reasons and you said uh, Alien Three, then Alien Resurrection, then actually Prometheus, and then Covenant. And all that differs is uh, our top two. Um, I put Alien uh, above everything else. Aliens just just far and away the best movie in the series for me. Uh, I think that's that's as good as it gets. Um, Aliens definitely has its strong points, but just, you know, in terms of uh, uh, what what works for me, I, I just feel that Aliens is a little more, uh, you know, it's it's just a little bit more like simplistic and and uh, derivative. Not that it's, you know, devoid of any complexity like like, uh, you know, I would say that Resurrection and Alien 3 are. But um, it's just it, it's a little a little more basic a little bit more like yeehaw let's shoot these motherfuckers kind of kind of things rather than like the really intense like personal horror of alien so um yeah we have basically you know the same list other than the top two yep so so my list is going to be the one that differs the most i think um so at the very bottom we have resurrection which I think is just a god-awful movie and one that completely shits on the franchise. And I guess even though it owns its premise, it's a terrible premise <laughs> and it's stupid. And I just, I will never rewatch that movie if I have to. Um, and uh, coming in second to last uh, is Alien Covenant. I think it's a terrible movie. Um, it's not as egregious to the franchise as Resurrection is, so it's not the very bottom because there are some things I like in it. Um, coming in at... What is this? One, four. two, three. So this would be four. Coming in at four is Prometheus. Um, I think this movie has a lot of strong points in watching Covenant and maybe like those more. And there are genuinely like the concepts in that movie that I return to. I'm like, hey, that was interesting. I wish they would have expanded on that in a good way. But for me, movie gets bogged down in the science of it, uh, in the boring and forgettable characters of it. But definitely some strong points there. Um, and the the top three is basically just the uh, the Alien trilogy. I've got alien cubed at three aliens at number two and then the original alien at one i think this trilogy of movies is fantastic um i wish they would have just kept it at that and, and not expanded it i'm glad they haven't returned to ripley at all with you know the exception of alien resurrection so i hope they don't bring it ripley back in some crappy disney remake of it um but you know alien three a fantastic movie i understand its flaws though which is why it's its third and alien is above aliens because there will never be another movie like alien uh, it is the greatest movie of all time. Uh, for me, for the foreseeable future, it's going to be my favorite movie. Uh, 
until somehow something else comes across and tops it. I love what it does with so little, and it's absolutely brilliant. I could rewatch it forever. Brendan. Uh, yeah, I won't take up too much of your time explaining. I feel like it's uh, this is already pretty really obvious. Long. If yeah, if you if yeah. you've listened to it, you know my thoughts. Uh, from worst to best, Alien Three, Prometheus, Alien Resurrection, Alien Covenant, Aliens, and Alien. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's all I really have to say about. What else that. to say about it? Yeah, there's not much. Uh, God, what to say about these movies? <laughs> uh, you know, if you want to know my full thoughts, go listen to all of the podcasts. I don't have that much else to say. I guess uh, if we have another movie, we'll be back reviewing that. But I'm you know i guess i'm excited to see what happens from here but that's kind of it we're we're i'm four for six on this series in terms of great movies i think there's four legitimately a to a plus movies in this series i i love that we did this series i'm very happy we did it very very exciting and i'm even more excited for the movies we have coming up yes with uh perks of being a wallflower and our individual picks we're gonna really gonna spice it up this time and uh have a lot of random movies that aren't in a franchise so get ready for a lot of let's go over what those are again and then we'll plug our shows and our social media so and then we'll get on out of here so so yeah i'll talk about the, the podcast coming up so we got brennan's pick perks of being a wallflower coming up next week um very famous movie i'm sure you know it then we, the tearjerker. tearjerker um we have matt's pick of the week after which is called the fall which is a movie that i don't really know anything about so come back for two weeks for that one then we have logan's pick so excited. um a time travel movie time travel love movie called about time which i'm very excited to watch because i've never seen it before and then we're reviewing the greatest movie of all time cats and that is my pick because i'm a glutton for punishment um so those are the next four weeks come back for those they're gonna be great uh, if you enjoyed this show, you might like listening to uh, the CTP Movie Journal, which is Matt and Ryan's miscellaneous short-form movie podcast, and that's featuring the best of list. Uh, so look forward to that coming when? Maybe soon. 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 Okay, we've been saying that Someday. for weeks. Um, uh, you can also listen to Stop, Wait, What? Our improv comedy advice show. Back oh, in yeah. Style, our newcomer-friendly episodic review of Twin Peaks. Uh, look out for a special episode of that. Uh Hopefully already on the channel. Uh, Twisted Mug Mysteries, your one-stop shop for everything spooky and occult. Octo Island, our extended universe Star Wars podcast series. And I Might Play That, our all-new video game po- uh, video game review podcast. We just talked about Alien Isolation on there. Yes. So uh, if you want more... If you, yes. If you, if you want more Alien content of like us talking about Alien besides the movies that we already did, definitely go check out the first episode of I Might Yes, and you can also go check us out on social media. We are at Twisted Mug Media on Instagram and Twitter. And if you'd like to contact us through Gmail, we are twistedmugmedia at gmail.com. We welcome any sort of feedback. If you do so feel inclined, hit us up with a five-star rating on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. If you like this episode, let us know. What would you like to see in the future? Let us know. We're all open ears here. All of our archives are also on stopwaitwhat.podbean.com, so if you would like to go check out our full archives, they are there, along with also now on Spotify and iTunes again. Thanks to Matt figuring that out. So uh, we'll be back next week. I pressed the button. Yes, you did. Um, We'll be back next week with the Perks of Being a Wallflower, so thanks for listening to this Alien series and this specific review of Covenant. Um, We really appreciate it. So I'm Ryan. I'm Brendan. I'm I'm Logan. And this is the CTP signing off. See you guys. Signing off. <laughs> this is so sad. Alright, bye.
things all of my fat peen. Let me see these tit tees. Nope. Oh, yes. Good. You've been a very bad boy. That was Donald Duck saying, You've been a very bad boy. Okay. Uh, I'm ready whenever you guys are. Spooky rendition of Donald Duck. I'll say that. Do you have something, Floyd? Leather Daddy Donald Duck? 